Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the TetraCast. My name is Zach Reese. I'm your host. Joining me today, two special guests of mine, Josh Torres and Adam Vita Lee. How are you guys doing? Yo, yo, yo. Happy to be here. Nice. Adam, how's it going? Hi, I'm okay. Good. I know you've been obviously dealing with all the other job matters, but it seems like that's all over and done with. Uh, I'm so waiting I on one more offer. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, it's mostly done. And that's the job in... Uh, we were talking about this last podcast. People don't know. Adam was going around the country trying to get a job finally after months of unemployment. Uh, totally all been there. the secret labs. <laughs> all the secret national labs with stuff that people can't tell me about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, literally, they can't tell you. And, like, they, they even joked that you can't even, like, go to the bathroom. Like, I can't go to the bathroom. And they have to, like, they have to literally stand outside the bathroom. Oh, shit. Um, oh, my literally. Like, literally. At both labs I went to. Okay. Uh, but yeah. like, you, like a hall monitor, you have to have the hall <laughs> monitor with you at all times. They have to That's... observe you at all times, basically. They they don't have cameras in their bathrooms, do they? They might. I don't mm. know. Well, to be fair, like what? Like someone's going to flush down some important scientific, like some uh, some chemicals. Do they, do, do they have like, like metal scanners like at the bathroom doors? <laughs> no, just a typical bathroom. But okay. They had to like escort you there and wait outside. All right. I mean, if kidding. these are if these are national labs, then it makes sense because, yeah. of course, everything is high security, and highly yeah. confidential. I'm sure you sign like a billion pieces of paper, like a bunch of contracts. Yeah, a few, <laughs> a number of them. So uh, that's the one. The one that you're going with is the one in. Uh, is it Seattle? It's Richland, which is like East Washington. I, I'm not dead set on them yet. It's just. I'm heavily leaning towards that. I okay. basically have to wait on this other offer. I want to give this other lab, which is in South Carolina, a chance to make an offer, even though I don't think I'm going to accept it unless it, like, really surpasses my expectations. Never um, hurts to really see it to hear the offer, though. Yeah, I want to give them a chance. If anything, it's leverage against the other companies, right? Because you can just say, all right, this one company offered me this much. Can you give me a better offer? So it's always there for you. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. Uh, best of luck with that. Uh, that's mm-hmm. awesome that you're able to have multiple job offers like that. Um, hope to hear the good news later. And of course, um, speaking of which, though, now that you're sort of uh, off of dealing with trips to all over the country, a lot of plane trips and all that stuff, uh, what have you been playing lately? So I, I, we've talked about this game several times already on this podcast, and it <laughs> feels like we each are getting to it at a different point. In time, but I started up Tales of Brazaria. Okay. Huh? And I guess to maybe be a little bit different than some of the other things we've talked about already, I I recently finished Tales of Zestaria, and I've talked about that before. And I, I honestly think it's like the worst Tales game I played, Zestaria. Just Man. all around, it's it's a stupid game. It's in ter- story, characters, mechanics, just everything. The more it's I try to wrap my head around that game, I just it hard to doesn't for me. It, like the game just doesn't make sense. Like anything, it it's 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 so weird and dumb. Um, <laughs> so actually, before we move on, then I want to know what's your opinion on the Exilia series? Then the two games. I, I I don't think I I disliked the Exilia games as much as some people, but I thought they were painfully average. Um, oh, okay. So what I was expecting you to say was like you're like a flip flop on the general opinion on that stuff. Is that the Exilia games tended to be like. Uh, not that great, and then the Zestiria game was like a return to form a little bit. Uh, but it seems like no, I like I like both Zelia games more than Zestiria oh. for sure. True. But they were like I didn't think either were as good as Zestiria or Graces. It's it's and... easy to like a Tales no. game more than Zestiria. 
I feel like the Siri is like, okay. floating around that bottom line. Sorry, the, the, probably, the, probably the bigger thing was that the Siri had a really good PC port. Maybe I'm just confusing it as the overall quality of the game. That's maybe what I'm getting at, uh, what, what I'm mistaking it for. Like, they, it was a lot better than people gave it credit for. After the failure, uh, in a lot of ways, of the Symphonia PC port, uh, the problems well, the that it had. Symphonia PC port came out afterwards. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah. Like, the next, like, a couple months later. Oh, yeah, you pre-ordered it. You got it free, right? That was the yeah. big deal. Yeah, that was it. I didn't um, like Graces. I don't know why people like Graces so much. I, I wasn't great, Graces lives and dies by its battle system. Everything else is kind it's, of bad. It's a, me- it's a mechanics thing. Yeah. All you do is, like, the battle system is, for me, it was like, how many backflips can I do to get out of the way? Because that was like, most of the time, I'm just mashing. I, I, like, bosses. I like Graces mechanically, and I like Vesperia um, kind of as a overall, overall rounded product. Yeah. It has a pretty decent yeah. battle system. It has a pretty good story and a pretty good cast. I don't think it, like, excels at anything like it's not amazing but i do think as an overall package it's a pretty solid game you played the you played the playstation 3 version right the fan translation i I played the oh no you didn't i played the xbox 360 version and i played the ps3 version and when i played the ps3 version i just played it in japanese that's that's Um, right sorry that's uh, that's that was like uh darren uh mcphail actually played the fan translation version but you're the one who played yeah just the suit of japanese release yeah and I, did you... I mean, I, I had already played it in English, so it's like, yeah. well, I already know yeah. what's going on. The, the PS3 that. version honestly doesn't really add much. That's like, Patty! That's Patty! Yeah. Yeah. People the PS3 like kinda... version adds a couple of things that make sense. Like, yeah. like for example, there's points in the Xbox 360 version where Flynn, uh, one of the characters, joins your like team, and he's like right there, but he can't. He's yeah, yeah, he can't. Just... Party. And he, he doesn't, doesn't do anything. He's just kind of like mm-hmm. I mean, he's just kind of like tailing along. He's and a ghost character. In the, he doesn't even join your party. He just kind of like he's just in the scenes and whatnot. Yeah. But in the PS3 version, at those moments in the game, he actually becomes playable for those periods of time. And he's like a full-fledged playable character. He's he's not. He like has his own moveset set and everything. Yeah. Like, and has his own arts. And then uh, ultimately, he joins your party permanently. But it just kind of makes sense. To yeah. like okay, now he's playable in these parts and he's contributing. Um, Patty is a little bit more of like a take it or leave it. She, her, she actually doesn't add a whole lot to like the overall story of. She the feels game. tacked on. Yeah. Oh, um, I mean, I, she's still a fun character. It's just that it, it's a little bit less in in you know uh, included in everything. Pa- else. Patty was that like um, quintessential like check check mark on that uh, era where you had the uh, 360 JRPG that had a PS3 port, but you needed something different to incentivize that the PS3 is the quote unquote definitive version it's, so, it's the xbox 360 fa- players they were the beta testers for the ps3 well, version because you had bioshock and channel rms you had yeah uh you had uh Antonio sonata and then you have uh, yeah, vesperia i will mention that the ps3 version of vesperia does run significantly worse than yeah it does version it's in weird. terms of performance that's Antonio uh, sonata as well actually i don't know what uh, what was up with ben and amco at the time but they were not doing so great on the optimization front <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah, I never got around to the 360 version of Eternal Sonata. Didn't know that ran. Yeah, I, I, I played the PS3 version of that like well after it released, and you know at that point where it's like, well, which version do I pick? I'll pick the version with the two extra characters. So, absolutely. Um, yeah. And those, but in, in, in Eternal Sonata, those two extra characters did kind of feel tacked on. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, they're literally tacked on because it's just that they they didn't do much extra development on that. But getting back to Tales of Berseria, so going off of like Zestiria and your feelings on that, basically it like my initial impression, my initial impression basically was a heck of a lot better than Zestiria. Things just made sense, and I don't just mean like the story plot, the you know the story beats or whatnot. I meant like the way that equipment worked, the way that skills worked, 
how it, and I do mean it, how it flows from scene to scene. Just kind of like everything, just like, okay, this game makes more sense. How far are you in Berseria right now? Um, I mean, I just, I, I, I think I'm like in the later parts of the game. I, I sometimes Tales games, it's hard to tell like mm-hmm. how much more there, uh, you know. You so, you, feel so, like, so you already you have feel Eleanor like and everything? Not. I just, I just met Anominat, who's like one of the main okay. villains. Yeah. Um, and there's a big spoiler with that, but uh, that's where I am, which I think is like the later parts of the game. But let me just say my general, like, my general impression of the game. I was very pleased with it starting out, and I felt like um, I, one person I saw say with regards to this game is that the entire cast of Tales of Berseria would be within their top ten of all the Tales game characters. Wow. And I, I don't know if I'd go that far, but I do think overall the cast is a strong point. A lot mm-hmm. of the characters are really well, like, they're believable, they're fleshed out. They get the, the amount of, like, spotlight they get and screen time they get is appropriate in terms of how they, how, how they interact with the story, how, what's their role in the story, how they interact with each other. And I feel like it's pretty well done in, in that way. And, like, each character is kind of crucial. And it's, hard to, like, it's hard to imagine, like, is there a character you could, like, remove and nothing would be changed? Well, maybe maybe Rokuro. I don't know, but um... yeah, Roko, Roko's a weird one. I I feel like he he's probably, he's probably he, the he, biggest character. He, but he does. He, he has his place in it, but he's definitely one of those that like you can take him out, and not a whole lot changes in Berseria in terms of like the main plot flow. But he he is a cool character to have. He brings a, a good dynamic to that cast. Yeah. Yes, I I agree with that. Sometimes characters just are work well as part of an ensemble, as part of the ensemble rather than as an individual. And mm-hmm. Rokuro might be that case. But as I've gotten a little bit further in the game, I've soured a little bit. The story is kind of becoming a little bit more typical in terms of what the villain's motivation is overall. And, and like, it does sound kind of, I think we talked about this before, where it's starting to become like a, you know, change or save the world type plot line. Adam, Adam I've got a question for you. <laughs> Go ahead. Why do birds fly? <laughs> <laughs> no one's gonna get that unless they play it. So. Well, yeah, that's the thing, it's, it's, right? It's kind of like this. It's kind of like this allegory thing that they throw around in the game. Yeah. Um, um, uh, but is the, the localization? I, I, no, it's, no, the localization is pretty good overall. I think um, both the dialogue and uh, voice acting. I think the main characters are pretty good. There's a couple of side characters like Kamoana, for instance. Uh, like I'm not exactly sure what they're going for the, her her voice here. She's a little girl, like demon thing. Um, but anyway. I think the localization is pretty good overall, but another another issue I have with the game, mechanically, I, I'm playing on the hardest difficulty, and I still feel like it's almost too manageable because of the way the weakness system works. On any boss or any enemy you face off against, they have weaknesses, both elemental and type. Like they could be like a dragon or an armored type or a amorphous type or whatever. And you can, in battle, go to your art menu, your skill menu, and basically set up a chain of arts that basically attack their weakness, and you can set them all to the A button, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you basically just go back into battle and just press A, 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 A. Yeah, that's, a, that's, a, 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 that's a, what it basically boils down to, is <laughs> like, a, a, a. you have like uh, your your four face buttons, and then for each of those face buttons, you assign like an element, and then your whole chain for that is just that element uh, but attacks. I, I feel like there's no reason not to basically set up a chain of arts all to the same button that they're weak to every battle, because it doesn't take long at all to do this, and mm-hmm. just then all you have to do is press that button over and over again and you're hitting their weakness and there's really no reason not to do that and it kind of feels like it, it's effective it works but it's almost boring yeah it, um, it really dampens the the, the tempo like, of battle 
like and if I remember correctly, Graces had a similar system to this, but you weren't you weren't actually as free to to organize which arts chained mm, yeah it, arts. It, it, it was a little bit less it was a little bit less flexible in that way, but it you were working up like to something. You couldn't like abuse it as as yeah. easily. Vesperia or not Vesperia, Berseria makes it more flexible in how you basically arrange your art tree, but it almost makes it too easy to abuse. And like I said, I'm playing on the hardest difficulty, and while there are a couple of enemies like spellcasters that are kind of um, unbalanced on the difficulty, most of the time it's still pretty manageable just by chaining together a bunch of weakness arts. So that's I've kind of gotten to the point in the game where I'm doing that in every boss fight, and it's just like well. Yeah. I've I've kind of soured on Versaria too. Like uh, shortly after you get your final party member permanently, like I feel like that the story has just got like the flow of it has like nosedived. It's definitely settled into like a certain flow that's like well, like in those like you're at that point of the tales game where you're like in mid game, but nothing's really happening at all. Yeah, like, you're it just, meanders you're just kinda, a lot. You're just going point to point, and you're just like, oh, we got to get to that guy again. It's like. But the the way there, it's just what are we doing? What's do you, do you care about this town? Why do I care about this town? There's nothing really going on in this town. Yeah, it's it meanders a lot, which is, I think I think like the characters in this game are still a strong point, but they're stronger than the plot that they find yeah. themselves in. And sure. I, it does feel to me, to, like I know Berseria, the way it was kind of like presented was like it was going to be a little bit more of a unique take on like like the series and how they and how, like, the characters and who is a protagonist and whatever. But I do feel like it starts to become much more typical and much more like the other games eventually in terms of just the flow of things and who is the villain and who is the protagonist. And it just, it's, I still think it's a it's a step in the right direction. Yes. But it's it still falls into too many of the trappings of the Tales series to be, like, to be as good as it could have been. So <laughs> that's kind of, like, my take on it is that I, I still think it's interesting, and I still think some of the characters are, are good. Um, the localization is good, but I just I wish it was not as typical as it's starting to become. <laughs> we, do, wish... we just wish that Tales can stop like falling into the shortcomings of like Tales games. Yeah. So maybe I'm looking in the wrong series for that. But, <laughs> maybe. Um... And this is like the first game with a different producer, right? Uh, Baba isn't around, of course, and so like this is going to still. I don't think I don't it's... think Baba made all the other previous Tales games from. Red he didn't, but like he's obviously been like a a big figure in those yes. games. Yeah. So like the fact that he's gone and this is the first one without it, maybe it's kind of like you know the Team Ninja type of thing. Like after, <laughs> not as like obviously. Um, insane as 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 uh as team ninja was as far as like who the who was at the helm but maybe the next game is like they're really gonna start pushing a lot of maybe younger talent and all that i really i wonder though because when you think about like uh the demands and and, like the needs of the you know current tales fan base like yeah we 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 talked about it a few months ago like tales is very much a comfort food rpg like yeah. you know what's expected of it fans are basically looking for uh, looking forward to like kind of almost the same thing like if you, if you change up the tales formula too much like even mechanically like if you think about zestiria like that game was a mess mechanically and even like plot but they tried to do something very different to like its structure in terms of like meta systems and that just blew back in their face so I wonder now because Berseria was definitely a direct response to that backlash. It's like, oh, we have to like kind of retreat back into like what people like know and what works. Yeah, I so. guess like at this point, 
we're not going to really find out until what, like the that Tales, Tales Festival. Festival That's yeah. like the start of June, right? Like somewhere, around, somewhere there. around there. Like yeah. the first week. Or, it's usually like the first week if I remember. So, yeah, we're coming up on a whole new game. So I'm really curious to see what that's going to be revealed. And, and we got we to gotta remember that um, when the Switch was revealed back in January, their logo was on the, on oh, the yeah. Switch, uh, like true. the stuff. So it's very possible that that game is going to be announced for the Switch and other consoles maybe, or maybe even PC at the same time. We'll see. But that's... um. I wonder if they're going to actually, because uh, it's announced for the Switch and all that, I wonder if it's going to be a game that's not quite as visually impressive as we want it to be, I guess. Cause it's, it's, Man, if they the still Switch stick with the same kind engine, of, I'm really going to be I bummed. Mean, the Switch has got some great-looking games, but like, yeah, it's it makes well, like, you wonder. The Tales art style has kind of been the same since Zillia. Um, Zillia, yeah, Zillia 2, it's yeah. all the, like, it. you can tell, like, Brasaria was originally a PS3 game. Um, I mean, cool. it it looks okay, but it, it is kind of getting to the point where it's like, well, um, it's starting to show its age quite a bit. So, mm-hmm. absolutely. I mean, wasn't Berseria a PS3 and PS4 game? Like it was a PS3 yeah, game and then out port it to PS4. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's just like Persona Five. You know, it's straight up like uh, once everyone gets on the bandwagon and and fully moves over, we're going to be all the better. But Switch is just as uh, is about give or take a little bit more powerful than like a PlayStation Three. So. Uh, I wonder how exactly it's gonna. Uh, like, I, I wonder if it's gonna be a mainline game or if it's gonna be like a, a Tales of Berseria: Dawn of the New World type thing. Um, <laughs> it's oh, gonna shit. be uh, Tales of Radiant Mythology, <laughs> like a yeah. whole new game for the Switch. That would actually, honestly, Radiant like Mythology. a game like that would be. Perfect. I really want a two D Tales game again, like a like an Eternia style type of thing. Like, like after a, playing a... after playing Eternia, like I kind of feel the same way. It, it, it's. It's like the same series, but just because the combat is like totally different. Well, maybe not totally different, but it's different enough to feel like it's almost like a different series. There, there's a certain like flow that really, it, it really, really clicks with me in Eternia because the, the way it just moves, it's yeah, very it, snappy. It's very like to the point. It's not, it feels awesome. like I'm making a big difference in battle instead of just smashing so, on the same thing. Also, I love sprites. So anything yes, that can give yeah. me sprites is, is a good thing. What if they made a? What if they go like the Project Octopath route, make it like a modern two D game with really cool. backgrounds? I would, yeah. I would actually love Maybe that. Companies do that, like yeah, older style games. I mean, I know there's a few of them, but like that would you know, be pretty damn cool. But you know, obviously, it's it's the demands. A lot of uh, gamers nowadays, of course, put put graphics at at the very top as far as what they expect out of modern games. But that's the great thing about the Tales fan base. They don't really care so much about that as long as the characters are great story is interesting the music's great like all those things are more important i think that's kind of like the the uh the opinion on rpgs japanese rpgs anyway as a whole western rpgs it does still feel like it's more about the graphical showcase like witcher 3 i don't think it would get as much attention if it wasn't as visually impressive as it was um but you know let it not be so uh, we, uh it's very clear that witcher 3 has got an amazing story and an amazing soundtrack but the visuals help to really get it more to the mainstream audience at the same time so very curious to see if they're even like if it's even worth it for them to really push it for a whole new engine for the next game because you've got that and then the atelier series uh they're having their 20th anniversary game supposed to be announced this year so i'm also curious to see if they're going to do anything wild because ferris was pretty you know pretty bold of them uh but it in the grand scheme it wasn't that crazy and i'm also kind of hoping for disguise six i've got a lot of hopes for this year but we'll see it's 2017 it's kind of nuts i'm hoping for a lot more nuts i, I think uh, like a, the, the 
the smart thing that like I would ho- wish that like more you know uh, like traditional Japanese developers that is kind of follow in the footsteps of Atlas with Persona Five, yeah. because it was it was reported like you know uh, like maybe a day or two ago by I think Digital Foundry, just like the amount of like polygons, uh, and I'm not saying that like more polygons will mean like better things, but like just comparatively like the Persona Five had a ballpark what seventeen thousand triangles in like a model compared to like any Western. A modern Western RPG which has like hundreds, thousands, like maybe two hundred to three hundred, even maybe even more, uh, especially like in stuff like in Uncharted. Just not to say like you know more equals better or less equals you know. It shows inferior. how far an art style can go. Yeah, exactly. Like when you think about the way that Persona Five looks like and its models, like its models aren't like super impressive, but the way that they stylize it and uh, how the visuals of the user interface like interact with those models and how they they kind of. Uh, use like the comic panels uh, during cutscenes and conversations like and, that really elevates you know what is not like visually impressive on its own but coupled with the vibe and the atmosphere of that game like it kind of just sticks out more it's, it's about the this, scale let me, right? let me just scale. jump in real quick um obviously the tale series does not have the same visual flair as the persona series but that's actually one thing i noticed with berseria is that it seems like it's it, they use the skits, which is the uh, basically the 2D art, to do like normal story events and scenes a lot more often now than they used to. Like they don't want it; they almost don't want to use the models, um, like for for half the story scenes. They'll just they'll put a skit up instead, which is just basically the 2D art. It, it, it's funny how the uh, the anime uses that as well. The skits at the end of, of the each episode, they do the skits. Because it's, it's such a hallmark of that series that now people expect it. But Well, I'm just saying that they actually, they used to be kind of just little side things, but now yeah. like more major, not like the not like the big story events, but a lot of normal like story-related cutscenes are put into skits rather than using like models talking to each other. How, how did you feel about that? I thought it was really novel, like for the first like maybe five to ten hours, and then I got really it was a old. Lot. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, it's it's, really? it's it's kind of getting to the point where I I kind of just want to click through them, but you almost can't because they are they're pretty relevant. important. Yeah, <laughs> uh, like some other games, like I think the Zillia games, like some of the later skits, you can just like eh, skip through it. You know, I, it's just, those games are fairly long still, and this you know, there's just so many of them that they kind of do get a little bit stale. But in Berseria, they use them for story stuff, so you kind of don't want to unless you just don't care about the story at all. Um, anyway. <laughs> Yeah. So I, I still think overall it's uh, a step in the right direction, but um, I don't know. Just I kind of wish it was maybe a little bit uh, not so typical, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I so hear stereotypical. you. I hear you. So that's so that's and, and before we move on to the next a little bit, I actually want to ask you guys because I, I just thought about it. It's that so we've got like you know there's the Final Fantasy mythology. There was even the Metagroup anthology. Do you think we're ever get like a, ta- a Tales series anthology? Release? No way. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of these like different systems and different licenses, but that's kind of like with PlayStation as well. Like you go to the PS One, Two, and Three. I, I can I mean, see like the like certain arcs spreads like, through like the main line. I just yeah. I just want them to put Destiny on some service where I can buy it rather than having to fish out a one hundred dollar used copy somewhere. Yeah, why isn't that on? Is that was that ever released on PSN? Nope. No, no, no. And that's like, I mean that's one reason why I got Eternia on PSP was because it was just a much cheaper version. Um, despite some issues it has. But Destiny is only available on a PSX disc, and that's it. 
Um, I, I actually, I don't, I want, I'm very curious, to see, like, wanting to know why that's the case then, because you've got all these other games, like, on digital services, but the Tales series always felt like, yeah, it's, like, hard to find them anywhere. I wonder if Bandai Namco cares at this point to just, like, kind of go back into that Tales archive and kind of do re-releases for them, like, the very old ones. It just feels oh. like it's, a, it's like, a one-off thing for them. I mean, like, they, did, some, they, did, they did some... Symphonia Chronicles. Yeah, That's they true. did. And but that was like the it. most. That was like the best-selling I mean, entry yeah. of the series. So yeah. that, that, that was that was the first the, game for a lot of people on the GameCube. Yeah. For me, it the, was. The, the, there are some like some entries that like you know kind of get like the the re-updated treatment like by the Hearts and Hearts like, R and, and Graces and Graces Yeah, yeah. But, and then, but then there's just one like you said to Destiny, just like it just you never heard of it again after its first release. It's just, like, called um, Legendia HD. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. That's, I mean, that that's actually what I'm, I'm most curious about is, is what's preventing that from happening. But I guess, you know, I guess Tales of the Abyss got a 3DS port, one of those yep, weird it, ones. Oh yeah, that's true. But that's also like a super popular game. So like, it was because it came right after Symphonia, so it was riding that high. I mean, Vesperia, yeah. even, like that was pretty popular too. Like, I don't think Vesperia was able to release digitally either, because, uh, like that it was that era where it wasn't standard at that time because you yeah. know, Valkyria Chronicles wasn't. And, I don't even know if Metagross Solid 4 was ever released digitally, actually. No. No, it wasn't, was it? Final Fantasy 13 wasn't. That was also kind of weird. You go yeah, back. That's always weird when you're looking at. Only. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of weird when you're looking at all the P- Final Fantasy games that are available digitally. And I guess Final Fantasy 13 on Steam, but like yeah. on not PlayStation at all. Exactly. That's that's the kind of bizarre thing. But, you know, yeah, I can only hope for like updates or, you know, if Sony ever decides to go like the Microsoft route of having the backwards compatible as long as you've got a signature, then it lets you use your games that you already own. But CDs don't even work on the PS4 right now. So until they update the firmware to add that functionality, it's not going to happen anyway. Unless you want to import like the PS2 version of Tales of Destiny and then play it that way. But was that one or two that was the was the PS2 version now that I think about it? I think it was one. One? The Tales of Destiny remake? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've heard great things about it, but it's only Japanese, but... PS2 only. Yeah, I know we're kind of... We don't have a lot to talk about today. That's like we'll kind of go off a little bit of a tangent here. But if I'm not mistaken, I think like there was an English patch that was like a fan translation that is either was either worked on or was eventually released. I don't know if you know the the, the status of that at all, Josh. I mean, I don't... Mm, not sure. I, I don't all, really all, look into older Tales games. All I know is that the Tales of Destiny remake, some people still claim it's the best game, and it's one of the last ones that used the 2D style <laughs> So there you go. That's yeah, awesome. it's like the yeah. Fantasy Star games when they were released on the PS2. It's definitely like the the perfect. They're the best versions of those games because not only did the art style get updated, but they also made the game a lot more manageable because it was a lot easier to get money. <laughs> so that was kind of the big thing about that. That's the game. That's the version I played because uh, they got that released. I know that um, who was it? Absolute Zero has been working on the Tales of Destiny games. I don't know if they ever actually released it. I think they may have. Uh, Actually, wait, hold on. I think there's... Oh, I think I... Oh, sorry, I'm just reading this piece of news here. Oh, okay, no, it's it's an April Fool's joke. <laughs> yeah, <was> <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, okay, so actually, this is the current status of that, for anyone who's curious about this, that as of March 1st... Um, 2017? They, they basically, yeah, of this year, they haven't been really productive on it, but they're uh, really trying to focus on... Um, working on it uh a little bit on the project every day uh, this is make the sure tales of destiny remake yeah the tales of destiny ps2 translation yeah exactly okay. so it's definitely not out yet but there's still there's still steady progress as opposed to see like that sakura wars pc 
translation that the team is kind of shitty on. I think it's the same team that actually fails at a lot of projects, so I'm not too sure. <laughs> oh. uh, so moving on, though, from that piece of news, though, you do mention here that uh, you can talk a little bit about Trails okay. in the Sky the Third. So, yeah, Xseed mm-hmm. sent over a code for Trails in the Sky the Third. Yes. Um, for full disclosure, I have not been playing it myself. My brother has, but I basically have seen him the whole thing that he's played up so so far um now I too, so you know yeah <laughs> uh, yeah I've, I've played up to I've, I've played the first and second games and yeah. i think i'm only allowed to talk up to the end of chapter one freely okay um, <laughs> now let me just say that i knew from fans of the series that the third is very different from first and second chapter yeah but i was still a bit surprised at how different it is um it's and I was actually talking with my friend about this a little bit earlier, that it was released in Japan roughly around the same time as Yeast Origin, and it kind of structurally feels very similar to that. Oh. That mm-hmm. you're, 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 you basically, at the one of the very first things that happens in the game, so I'm, I promise I'm not going to do spoilers, these are very early events, is that your characters, Kevin and Rias, um, end up in basically a, a metaphysical dimension. <laughs> and, um, it's called Fantas- Phantasm, I think. Phantasma. Oh, Phantasmagoria. And, and basically, from what I understand, you're going to spend most of the game here. And so you're not exploring the world of Liberal or Zemuria, really. You're kind of in this metaphysical, huge, game-long dungeon. And you basically go through this dungeon, and kind of weirdly, actually, you get these items... And these items will call different other characters, other playable characters from the first two games to kind of, they kind of appear in this dimension and they join your party uh, kind of as you progress through the game, more and more of them appear. And it's kind of, they don't come even in like a, a sensible order. They just kind of come, um, like I think the first character you get is Tita, for example. Um, I think that's chapter one. And you basically, <laughs> yes. in this dungeon, you see these different doors. And as you enter a door, you basically get a memory which is basically something that happened after second chapter, but before the third. So it's it's like a memory, but it's new. Um, and it basically kind of gives some like minor story scene to each of these characters as you go through them, as you go through these different doors you run into. And some of these scenes are really long, actually, <laughs> um, like really meaty dialogue cutscenes. But it's remember those? You remember Xenosaga and those really long cutscenes? Yeah. So it's kind of like that, but, but in, in a good way. So that's 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 from what I understand. From what I see, that's basically the structure of the game. Is you're kind of in this metaphysical dungeon. These characters that you get kind of just join you, and then you basically see a bunch of side stories throughout the game. And I, the way that it was described to me, was that it was an an anthology game, kind of. And I can definitely see where that comes from. Now it's um, how these how these how the story scenes are structured and and how it's you know integrated into the game itself. So it's. It's pretty different from second chapter. It almost feels like a like a spinoff more than a sequel. Yeah, so it's far. definitely not a, like it's it shouldn't be treated like a like as a continuation of like Joshua and Estelle's arc in uh, first chapter and second chapter. That that their story arc is done. Third, the third is de- definitely a bigger thing. It's uh, it's to to give some context. Falcom when they were developing uh, the Crossbell arc after second chapter, like this the third wasn't even in the works yet. Like wasn't even conceived of. But then they completed, like, you know, they were getting near in completion on that. And then they're like, oh, shit, we kind of need to give background on, like, what the hell is going on here? Because they they meant it as, like, as a continuation of, obviously, the Kiseki series. But in order for them to make sense of how Liberal 
relates to Crossbell. Even though they're two separate arcs, there are still, you know, things going around in the world. So the third is basically kind of like this big gateway of what Kiseki was, like, what the Sora and the Kiseki, the Trails in the Sky games were at first, just like kind of like a simple story, uh, but very, very big ambition behind it. And uh, the third is kind of like that, uh, serves as a big gateway of like, oh, this opens up a whole bunch of new things that actually establishes the universe of the Trails series. And every every event that happens in the third, even to this day, and I'm sure in the in the next Cold, Cold of Steel three sequel or Cold Cold, uh, Cold of Steel three. Cold Steel three. <laughs> I know Trails of Cold Steel three. Man, these fucking titles. Ugh. Uh, Trails in the Flash. Oh god. Um, each of the every one of those games, Crossbell from uh, Zero, Owl, then all three Cold Steel games, like all of those relate to the third in some way. Because the like the third already kind of establishes on like gives hints of like oh this is kind of like a new plot development that's going on in this region Kaseki, mm-hmm. just yeah and that and that's a very very cool thing that they did because the 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 devices the narrative devices that they employ in the third lets them get away with that but not it doesn't feel like a bullshit excuse to like yeah, do and that. I I feel like I should mention that I know I know I saw some people like kind of upset maybe like why why is kevin the main character you know like that seems weird but it almost feels like he's not really a main character like he is a main character but it it's not like we're seeing like the world from his perspective really it's the way that these memory scenes work it's it's more about like this world building kind of in a spread out format where you see it from the perspectives of all the different characters rather than like the first two games where it's basically estelle's perspective so he's like mm-hmm. taking you along for the adventure. Yeah, kind of so thing. it's it's more of like it's where the world building is more important than the character. It's more world building driven than like by 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 a suite of characters rather than a, like a, a protagonist. Um, that's I mean that's the vibe I have so far. Obviously, there's probably a lot more game left, so I don't know how things will turn out. But I just I, just for people who are listening to this, I hope I didn't spoil it too much. But it's a very differently structured game, um, and I was I, it did surprise me a bit. Um, and how different it was, even though I was kind of expecting it to be different. So. That's cool. I'm uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to like, what, what there are a lot of things like, the third is weird because it's like it has, just odd script wise has less text than first and second chapter, but it's dense. Like there's a lot of like, they they explain info so com, like, in a very compact way, but very concise, in that game. So it's uh it's it's beefy. The dialogue is efficient. Lots yes. Information yeah. <laughs> it makes me kind of hopeful just because uh, the Falcon, Falcon lately has been really ramping up the news of Trails of Cold Steel 3. And now that we've seen Axis take Tokyo Xanadu and Nice America taking uh, East 8, I'm curious to see if Exceed is still able to uh, secure the localization rights to Cold Steel 3. Because obviously they handle the other ones, but as we saw, like that's no real guarantee. The good news, at least, is that um, Falcon might be more comfortable giving it to XC just because they've handled the other two entries as opposed to like East 8 and uh, Tokyo Xenadu. They're kind of, you know, individualized. They're not really yeah, sequels I, I feel, so I much. I feel that the Trails series yeah. being so interconnected, it's like literally yeah. one of the most interconnected series ever. <laughs> I feel like that alone kind of solidifies XC's position there. And I mean, they've after the release of the third, that's what, five of the of the uh, eight games? Um because there's what we're missing zero out and then 
Cold Steel Three, right? I know there's yeah, like, yeah. I know there's like Neuta no Kaseki, but that yeah, doesn't but really the, count. That doesn't I guess. Really count. That's yeah, okay. and it makes me. Uh, and it's funny because I was looking up because uh, today is like the uh, birthday of Othin Felgana for the PSP, and it reminded me oh, that okay. XC actually bought the fan translation rights. Uh, they they worked with the fan translation group that worked with the, that made the game that helped with the game before, and and they paid them to help with the do the translation for that. So it kind of shows how far they've come from those days to being able to do the trills and uh, trills in the sky and cold steel games themselves. And you know, obviously, it's been a lot of a lot of difficulty uh, with trills in the sky second chapter, like all the drama that was around that game, uh, being able to bring it over, uh, that clearly soured Falcom in a lot of ways. Uh, they're uh, opinion of Exceed. So hopefully that doesn't mean like no future games because I would hate to see it happen. Obviously they put a lot of sweat and tears, blood, sweat and tears into that whole series. So you'd hate to see it kind of end with this. So uh, from, all, from all it's worth though, uh, it sounds like that from the first trap alone, uh, you're able to carry along. So it sounds like they're doing as well as they've always had. And uh, Brittany from Exceed, she's been, oh, Hatsu on Twitter as she's known. Uh, she's been posting some pictures and some bugs <laughs> that she well, saw, like the names uh, messed up and all that. I guess full disclosure, like the version that we have is a preview version, and yeah. we've actually run into untranslated text in like I think four different places now. Um, mm. But they, uh, yeah, it's. I don't, I don't know if I, was, I don't know if I was supposed to say that, but uh, yeah, it says that That's... these are this is preview code, and these are basically yep. they they even say like this is we're going to have this basically all all ready to go by launch. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that's, 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 that's what it is. That's preview code. Yeah. Is that it's, yeah. it's not the final build, as yeah. opposed to like when I reviewed Arno Surge and like if you hit the start button at exact right moment when the battle begins, uh, Japanese text showed up on across the screen instead of the nice. English. So and actually, you can reproduce that now if you do that. If you play, like, I think it, I don't know if it works on the Vita version. I think it does. But on the PS3 version, yeah, hit start as the battle begins, and then all the uh, button prompts and everything just turns completely Japanese. I took a picture of that a long time ago, <laughs> so that was never fixed. But um, they've I mean, shown it's just, it's just minor things. Like yeah. for example, they have their uh, they have their treasure chest fate, uh, phrases. Yes, um, and like so one good. of them, one of like like we run into a couple of. Uh, normally translated silly ones and then it's like oh i guess this one's still japanese uh so. sometimes though you do want to like this is what i do and this is kind of on the side though is that you do want to tell them if you notice anything just because they i think they would appreciate that but yeah uh so chosen sky the third that's out may 7th may 3rd may 3rd may, may 3rd I, I think i think third the weird the thing third. about I think the weird thing about the Trails series that, like, why I was drawn to it so strongly after playing the first game on the PSP, and why I decided, like, hey, I should probably play the, the entire series because they're, I don't, the second chapter isn't coming soon in English, and yeah. there's all these other games. So, but I think the reason why I kind of got along with that series very much so is because it gave me a lot of Dot Hack vibes. Because when you think about Dot Hack, oh. like, it's like not. Not in terms of like the premise, <laughs> I but think in terms of like be the upset by that notion, but yeah, <laughs> no, but I mean, it's like the interconnected media of it. Like, you think well, about dot hack, it's like it's four, four games for like one arc, three it's games for the other, game. and it and it's all but it's all connected because it's like uh, it has me... its own anime, it has its own manga. But the cool thing about this. that was that it... those games are like three months apart, <laughs> yeah, awesome that, yeah, so... that's a that's a nice thing too. But it just it just feels like that, like you're diving into this universe, and I had you know, I was definitely you know, interacting with uh, communities yeah. that were very much into that as well. Yeah. So you Let feel me... like you're part, part of a bigger thing. Go for it, sorry. Trails in the Sky, I haven't played the Cold Steel games, but I played the first two Trails in the Sky games. Um, there are actually some parts about how the plot flows, I feel that I 
think feels a little bit too formulaic for me. Mm-hmm. Th- things like like the chapter breakdown in second chapter, it's like each chapter introduces a new enforcer and that enforcer has some connection to one of the protagonists. And then it feels just a little bit formulaic the way yeah, it's it, structured. It, it falls um, with that trap. It, it, it feels a little bit video gamey, like yeah. how it's so like <gasps> delineated. Fucked up. Um, but <laughs> that, I mean, that's, that's, that, that's a criticism. I hope it's an honest, genuine criticism. Um, but it's the thing I think that, that the series does well, better than its contemporaries is the characters in general they feel like they the characters don't feel like characters they actually feel like their 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 personalities and their demeanors are so well established and so consistent that it feels like this is like a person that i could actually eat almost Mm -hmm. Uh, like like they they like all the characters always act in character and they they don't really feel too like tropey or they don't feel like they they fit into some sort of cutout they actually feel like like an actual character um and so, like, that's a strong suit for the game. And that's kind of, like, one reason why I'm interested in the third is um, you get to see the characters again. You get to see a little bit more about their stories and how, what, they're, what they've been doing and things like that. Um, so that, that's, that's what I think that, that the series does especially well. And the other thing is the music. Yes. Mm-hmm. Falcom, Falcom Band of obviously doing as well as they've always been. So, yeah, we're a couple of weeks out for the release of that game. That's It's kind of nuts. And then, yeah, Xanadu for the summer and fall. So I'm really kind of excited. And, yeah, the, we all we talked about it last week. But, yeah, if people don't uh, don't remember, speaking of which, yeah, Cold Steel won on PC this summer and then second one sometime later. So that should be exciting. It's a perfect time for people to kind of jump into that series because you've got all three parts of Trails in the Sky out now. And you've got the first two out either on, you know, you can play it on ps3 vita or soon pc so or if you have playstation now it's actually available on that service you can actually play those games on there too so i don't know about two I'm, i know one is available on there i think two might be as well i think but, two is as yeah. well so you can play that on pc as well just have to <laughs> no you don't have to do it that way now you can just play it straight up the the much better version uh soon enough but you know if you want to play it in a new playstation 4 you have that option too makes me wonder if they're out everything else all the Twelve and sky games as well but kind of harder i assume because that was those are pc uh, psp games and of course pc with this one so and yeah this is a pc exclusive for people who don't know so the third yeah the third so something to keep in mind some people keep uh forgetting that part because <laughs> they're so used to it i'm um, actually surprised like are you? I, 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 some people are like honestly pretty upset that it's not coming to psp slash vita <sighs> The fact that I think a lot of Vita games aren't even selling over a thousand units lately uh, should give people an idea about you know how difficult it is to convince uh, publishers to release a, P- a Vita game even in the West. And, and the fact just that to, this is originally just, a PSP game. Yeah, just to clarify, yeah. this isn't even a Vita game. This would no, be a game that people people would be playing on Vita. <laughs> that's, that's okay, why. but we'll, we'll put that we'll put this theory to the uh, test once Caligula comes out. Oh yeah, the true Vita exclusive. I think like there's a year. Uh, 2017 exactly <laughs> I, I think it's actually even like in the single digits of the games that uh in the past like year or two that are sold over 20,000 vita copies so I, I haven't paid too much attention to it but i think the vita sales in like media crate in japan are starting to show some yeah. stagnation okay. like hey yeah. there's been rumors of a new sony handheld so maybe yeah. we'll see some of that adam, that we'll see. adam how do you long, uh, how think do you uh, wait ugh. how long do you think uh Caligula's, caligula gets a pc port I'm gonna guess probably never. That doesn't seem to be Atlas's thing. No, that seems like they're, wait, they're wait, just they're... not getting it out. Oh yeah, Caligula. I mean, uh, Atlas is publishing. That's Atlas, how... Atlas, and uh, and uh, 
Furyu. That does, does Furyu publish here? Uh, like, do they no. have their own publisher? No. Atlas, Atlas, Atlas is what takes care of the Furyu type games. Yeah. Even um, like, um, what was that? Legend of Legacy. Legend of Legacy. That was yeah, also that Atlas. Was Atlas. Okay. Uh, okay. Atlas at the weird time when they do like Dungeon Traveler and those games. Like, and and uh, what was that strategy RPG? Um, Tears to Tiara? Yeah, exactly. They're, like, oh, they yeah. have this weird string of games that they localize. Well, Atlas has a couple of those other companies that they seem to control over. Like, who does the... Oh, how, do I, how do you even pronounce this? The 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 one that starts with the U and it's like Uta Romano Romano. Oh, Underwater Re Romano. Yeah, yeah. that. Wait, That's is it Atlas. actually Underwater Re Romano? No. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yes. no, it's totally that. No, it's people make fun of it because it's hard. But what, what, what's that developer? They did. I know Atlas does a couple of them. Oh, um, they... Oh, Mages? 5PB? I think was it five pages? I forgot. I thought it was. But they, they, I know Atlas USA. They of course do Atlas games, and they do. Um, um, I just know that they that one of those characters in that series was like in the Aquapaza fighting game. Like uh, Aquapaza. That's what I was thinking. I want to. I want to say right now. Actually, I was doing a search. I was able to spell the name of it correctly. Utavare Rumono. Utavare Rumono. Yeah. So Aqua Plus. Yeah. Aquapaz, yeah, right. or whatever yeah. it is. Aquapaz is a fighting game. game. <laughs> they, also, they also did a Tears of Tiara, right? That's the same. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. It just—I don't know. It's like because uh, I five PB and mages, they like to block any videos yeah. that aren't based that are like from Japan. So like uh, Aquapaz, though, yeah, it's it's actually by Leaf uh, that developed it, but I think it's that Aquapaz made. Some sometimes it gets confusing, like when these small Japanese companies like collaborate or merge or change yeah. names or blah. <laughs> That's yeah, it. that's what uh, that's what Romano has been around for like a decade, fifteen yeah. years. I don't know. It's been a long time. So, and they had like a whole anime out of it. But yeah, that's that's out soon. But exactly, it's that's going to be out soon for PS4. Is it also Vita or is PS4 it... and Vita? Yeah. Okay. I think Caligula is the only one that's not on yeah. PSC, PC, uh, or PS4. Way to go! And it's like a, it's got a special edition too, right? Like a digital deluxe or something it's, like that? It's or just really silly. Thing? Like it comes with like avatars and a theme and that's it. Woo! <laughs> it's easy. It's cheap. And it's probably what J- Japan got for like store yeah. bonuses or something like that. So, Look, you can show it to your friends, okay? And be like, hey, look at my Vita. It's fucking awesome, isn't it? So you're just going to finish up Asteria? Is that your... Well, I'm... So earlier this year, I was kind of doing some backlog busting, and now I kind of have to catch up on these 2017 releases. So once I finish up with Viseria, I'll probably try out like Nier, and then I get to throw in Persona in there somewhere. So yeah. Awesome. All right, Josh. So uh, yeah. we were talking about it before, but and I saw on your Twitter, it looks like you finally completed the hard mode of Persona 5. Yeah, I'm done with the English version. I, I'm clocking it at a little over 120 hours. Crazy man. Uh, Crazy man. Yeah, I can move on you with life beat now. The game. <laughs> you know, I can't believe I fucking beat a Persona game already. Uh, um, I, I did still... you get the platinum? I'm I'm close to it. I can actually get the plan. You should I probably to. do that just because you're, you're close that. enough. I mean, yeah. it's obviously it, it's kind of sucky because it's like you don't want to force yourself because it might ruin the experience. But if you're that close, maybe I'll think about I it. I don't even yeah. know what it entails. I assume like the hardest part is like I think you have to like get every demon at least. Yeah, once the hundred percent confidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it sucks because one of the demons is a new game plus exclusive, and it's oh, a high that... level one. Oh. So, yeah, <laughs> so. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but we'll get there. I'm like new game plus your level doesn't transfer over, so it's like, oh, okay. But um, you know, I still hold firm on like my original like impressions of Persona Five, and I played the Japanese version. It's probably my second favorite Persona game. Uh, 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 Innocent Sin would be my first one. Um, sure. It's it's well realized it in a very um, weird way, like 
just when you think about the product as a whole and you think about what it's trying to say beneath you know obviously it's story like what's the main message the creators were trying to convey here and it's just like it's a very down-to-earth harsh with some supernatural elements look at you know the current state of japanese uh, government structure uh just socially culturally and it's just like it's very much kind of taking a jab it's like it's conservativeness and very much you know when you think about uh just asian cultures it's very much trying not trying to stay with the flow of things trying not to be you know too out there because if you the more attention you garner yourself the the more you stand out the more you're kind of like shamed upon in a sense and uh it has, course, it has to have some tact yeah and uh, this whole game is all about flipping that on its head and it's a, it's it's well it's masterfully crafted and it's a very very unconventional way to like showcase those concepts in a high school rpg type uh deal I I really like the cast. I think the cast is one of the best like overall casts in the Persona series. It's each and every single like cast member, no matter like if I think they're like bad or not, they they provide something that's like crucial to the cast and element. Like Ryuji, for example, um, he's not like my favorite character, but he brings such a great like dynamic to it because he definitely represents that. On how how a normal kid would uh, react to like being like you know famous through his uh, you know being a phantom thief and pretty much kind of like bragging about like being one and try kind of like, doing it for the attention. I, I do feel like oh sorry I was just gonna jump in. I do feel like sometimes in games there are characters that aren't really like likable, but they're like believable and useful like yes. like oh, like like i could believe that this person could exist as a person yeah. and that their presence in the game and their role in the story is useful even if they're not like uh even if they're not like a likable character like I, I haven't played persona 5 i have heard some people say that ryuji is kind of uh not the greatest but uh it, like you his english voice actor is fucking phenomenal in that game i think it's it's one of the one of the first things that really sell you on that game because he's obviously one of the first characters that you meet, but just his uh, voice performance all around, it's, he really puts his all into it and you can feel it. And that's, and it's very special for that character that, you know, like the voice talent and the, and the whole cast is great. I have like no like crazy complaints about it outside of um, one of your confidants, uh, the tower one, Oya. Um, you remember Power Rangers and Rita's voice actress? I think uh, she does him. <laughs> And I, it does, it, that's a weird, uh, you know, kind of voice to give him. But outside of that, you know, like, Ryuji really, really mm-hmm. sells, like, that yeah. dub. Yeah, Ryuji's uh, voice actor is Max Middleman, who is, he's, he's, like, he's like a new, fresh face, but I've been really impressed with what I've heard, heard from him so far in various uh-huh. things. Yeah, so that's good stuff. And to, but every single part of that cast in the, in the main Phantom Thief uh, group uh, just provides their own, like, special element their own quirkiness to it and that that that's that's weird to say because when i think about the cast of persona 3 and 4 like persona 3 i like the cast but there are definitely some ones that like that that are just kind of downers like ken i I didn't really like uh koromaru i love dogs but what the fuck is a dog i I was actually i was actually (laughs) contemplating on this earlier and kind Uh of what i thought like on persona 3 and 4 because i've not played 5 
like I, overall like i think persona 3 and 4 like i like persona 3's characters as individuals like mm-hmm. I, I like yukari i like junpei i like akihiko like they don't they, they have their flaws and they're not like perfect people and sometimes they kind of are annoying in, in times mm-hmm. but i feel like they're very believable and like yeah. they feel like believable flawed people yeah um and but i i really like like those characters i mentioned um and mitsuru as well and mm-hmm. i think i prefer them to persona 4 but i think persona 4's cast in general works better as an ensemble like yeah. for example like i i don't really think highly of like yukiko or chie on their own but they kind of like complement each other in a way yes that they, they're, they, they're a great duo. They're not great like, on her own. Is Naoto? She's great on her own. That's what else. That's what I like. <laughs> I, I, I think, it. like in a nutshell, I, I like the I like some of the individuals in Persona the most. But I think Persona Four's like the interaction between characters, like the, as a group, is 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 stronger than it was in. Persona that's 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 like that's what you want because it's just like you know the one of the best Final Fantasy games, Final Fantasy Six. Like you think more about the ensemble, about the cast more than individual characters, and that's like, I think the highlight of a great game. You can't have like these one or two standout characters and expect that to kind of pick up everyone else. You want to have like everyone kind of working together. It, that's kind of what it is, right? It's a party, so you want that to be seen. So I and totally now, see what you're yeah, talking now, about. Yeah, now that I think about it, like Persona Five, like hits a great middle ground between Persona Three's like you know the greatest individuals doesn't have great ca- chemistry together, mm-hmm. and Persona Four is like has great chemistry but as individuals kind of falters. Like Persona Five, great hits a great middle ground in which like each individual character like is like charming in their own way, much in the same way that persona 3 has but they also have their own they can also form their own little subgroups uh with each other like um yusuke and futaba have their these own little quirks especially in like the text conversations uh with the group like they have amazing character interactions like in which they like futaba likes to pick on on uh, yusuke even gives him like a funny nickname of inari like kind of like a play on his fox code name uh you know which is it's little things like that that really helps unify them. And I think uh, one of my friends uh, put it best where, like, in Persona 4, you had a, a really awesome group of friends. But in Persona 5, you feel like you've, you've, you're you've part of a family. You were there from the beginning, and you've seen uh-huh. this family grow together. I, 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 a common analogy is that Persona 3 are your coworkers. Persona 4 are your <laughs> yeah. friends. So I yes. guess Persona 5 is your family. Is that, is that yeah. what we're going with? Uh, Co-workers, yeah. friends, and family? Yeah, y- Yusuke is that weird uncle. Uh, Haru <laughs> is just like that eccentric aunt. <laughs> uh, but no, I, th- I, I really, really loved uh, the characters of Persona 5. And I, I think it, it wraps up like you know in a very good manner. Like I feel like it's, it's a nice little conclusion. And I, I don't want that to like kind of get dragged out and like by like if they try like you know cash in like some sequential like yeah. follow-ups or like a weird like hey the, we have this dancing uh uh mini game or dancing like installment for this and it's like uh, we consider it quote-unquote canon yeah it's like, i mean like persona like, q I, I i thought persona q was okay as as an entry and odyssey like look-alike but they take one of the strongest elements of persona the characters and they just kind of yeah. drop the ball like akihiko like talks about like protein drinks all the time and it's yeah. just like totally ruining akihiko's character here <laughs> yeah like, uh... it's fine not to be taken seriously just by yeah. luck alone but yeah totally i know but, but, yeah, but i, mean, it, I know it doesn't like mean anything but it's just kind of like that's disappointing you, you, you kind of hope more of like a like you know you see finally see these cast like interact with each other and like the, the but they're only like they're the only an only aspect of their personality is like kind of shown some of the <laughs> and, traits are just like to, to an exaggerated yeah. level yeah yeah it's so, just uh, the, I, I do want to ask though uh, sorry mm-hmm. 
Uh, I don't want to cut you off there, but yeah, it's that. Let's just carry on with that little bit of discussion, though. It's that the recent domain registrations uh, for Persona okay. 4 Dancing on Night and Ultimate. Yeah. Uh, obviously, uh, excuse me, Persona 5 Dancing on Night and Persona 5 Ultimate, uh, theoretically. I'm very not convinced uh, that it's going to happen. I just assume Atlas is protecting their IPs and they want to do that yeah. before somebody else does. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, those are recent registrations, so I don't know why, uh, if maybe that may not even be true. Maybe they are convinced. I know they talked in the past about um, uh, like uh, thinking about doing something like that, especially like the Ultimate Director, uh, Persona 4 Ultimate Director, said he wanted to do something for Persona 5. I remember reading about that. Um, so just to let's just pretend like it actually is a thing that's going to exist. Is that something you'd actually want to play? I mean, for me, I enjoyed Persona, 5, uh, Persona 4 Dancing All Night. It was a lot of the music. I didn't feel like the soundtrack was varied enough, though, because it was a lot of remixes. I'd rather they just take the whole, like, serious soundtrack and uh, serious soundtracks and just make a game out of that. Um, is that something you would actually want to play, though, either of you guys? Like, either I mean, of those games? So I, I like Persona's characters. Yeah. But I don't think they like that's not enough for me. I don't really like fighting games. I don't really like rhythm games. So I didn't play Ultimax or actually I did play Ultimax and it was terrible. Um, uh, me too. Yeah, I didn't like it. Well, I played I played the original Persona 4 Arena, um, which I guess is even worse. Um, but like I the, I don't think the characters alone, just for me personally, can sell me on genres like that. Oh. Like Persona Q, I tried out because you know it's a it's a dungeon crawler RPG and like okay I can do this. Um, That's perfect because it's, it's from the people that are like experts at those types of yeah. games. So, yeah. But like I don't know like I'm not really interested. I mean, I haven't played Persona Five so maybe I should just shut up. But um, no, go for it. It's just that I, I usually characters alone aren't enough for me to like jump into like these genres. I just don't really care for to begin with like fighting games or uh, rhythm games. So <laughs> I I'm not really like opposed to it even though like the the most uh, unimpressive one from this offering. Like, I'm not really into, like, the dancing rhythm type games, but I can see them... If they if they do something a lot more than just what we got in Dancing All Night, like, a, a little bit more, like, bombastity in its uh, choreography because, you know, these Phantom Thieves are like to, like, really run around and, like, platform. And, like, if you do something really dumb with the choreography, the dance, like, jumping uh, walls while, like, guns are firing everywhere. Like, like let's say, like, they're getting into, like, a battle with a demon and then there's, like, a, a, a whole choreography to that that you have to nail down with the a Space Channel 5 or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, now, didn't the developer for Dancing All Night, like, call for bankruptcy? No, it was it was actually the it was the developer that only helped a little bit. It's the people that made oh. the Project Diva games too. Uh, they helped a little bit at the very beginning. It was more like the concept stage, but Atlas handled like ninety nine percent of it. Oh really? So yeah. Okay. Maybe that's. Um, I as for a Persona Five Ultimax game, I would actually be okay with that because my friends and I really like to uh, playing those fights. Well, okay, uh, let me back that up. Um, in the first Persona Four Arena game. I like I got into it. I think it was all right. I I, I played Naoto, but um, I I kind of used like only one combo for Naoto that was like in the corner that took easily like maybe sixty yeah. to seventy percent of the life, and I was like that was did, really yeah. fun to do. So <laughs> like my my friends and I kind of know me in fighting games. So, like I just I don't actually learn fighting games. I kind of just look at like what's what can break fighting games, and then I'm just like, well, this is really fun to break, so I'm gonna keep on doing it. And so like in Persona 4 Ultimax, you had this uh, shadow versions of the characters. You had Shadow Naoto. That uh, her whole shtick, same with like normal Naoto, where they had a bullet counter, and you uh, have a like uh, you have a like a timer or not a timer, a counter on each character 
that like once you get it down to zero, they can be like instant killed if they land a Hama or Mudo spell on them with Naoto. So there was a way to like get combos down to get that uh, counter down very fast. And then like with Shadow Naoto, there was a there was a combo super that you can like um, kind of fool them at, in which they're down on the ground, and then you cast one of the spells, and then they have to like guess whether you, uh, to block high or block low because if they get hit during that uh, Hama spell, if they get hit with that, they're gonna die. So that was I, that. That seems interesting, and I mean, like it kind of makes sense for. I guess fighting how else, games. How, else, I mean, it's gonna, how games. else are you going to introduce include uh, Hama and Mudo in a fighting game? Song? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, and that, that was holding out those whole thing where their skill set. It's like that's yeah. that was that was her elements. So, I mean, in that sense, I enjoyed the gameplay of them. As for the story aspect, I think Persona Four uh, Arena Ultimax had like a really really shitty uh, story with uh, centering around show. It's one of those, it's kind of, it's one of those things. Where it's like, yes, I thought the story was terrible too, but I'm wondering, you know, like. Should we even bother to expect anything better? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think I think there's a there's um a lot of potential to kind of use the gun mechanics of Persona Five in a fighting game. I would actually kind of be very interested to see how that goes. All right. So I think we lost Zach for a second here. Yeah, it's fine. But we'll we'll carry on. Yeah. Like uh, he'll, he'll, you know, you know how his internet is. His internet is always kind of <laughs> yeah uh, up and down. During the weekend, but I think once again, this all just domain registrations. Nothing really means much out of it. Uh, would I like to see yeah. some of them come to fruition? Sure. Like I know one of them was like P five R, and then people were like Persona five racing. Like yeah, why not? Fucking just do it. Yeah, I mean it's. I, I'm sure. Like I, I don't know if the, I, I don't think the domain registrations mean like yes, we are going to be making each of these. Just kind of like they are all possibilities at this point yeah. in time. So. I, at at the same time, though, I kind of I kind of hope that they, even though it's not the most financially uh, sound thing to do, I kind of hope they kind of just keep it at Persona Five and that's it. Just it was it was it was great. I loved it. I kind of hope that like that's just they keep it at that to some extent. Um, moving on, like I guess we'll go into news, but and we already kind of discussed this a little bit last week before it was kind of. Uh, leaked in a sense Eurogamer uh, reported on that yes the Super Nintendo Mini is definitely a thing uh, coming this holiday season and you know last podcast we were kind of wondering about the existence of that and what would we like to you know uh, see on the Super Nintendo Mini and uh, you can go listen to that because you know uh, I'm not gonna say it again, but I know I know I remember I said Goof Troop on one of them. I still yep. stick by that. Yeah, that's that's kind of as long as they have like a plenty of RPGs. That's kind of the most important thing. It needs to have a lot of RPGs. Yeah, I, I think I think Chrono Trigger is a must. It yes. has to be in there. But <laughs> as, someone, as someone who missed the SNES, like I've played some of the heavy hitters, like Chrono okay. Trigger, going kind of going back to it. But I'm sure there's plenty of other games that if they were like I wasn't really interested in the in the nes mini just mm-hmm. um you know not the type of games i like i really was interested in the first place but snes mini i could definitely see myself picking it up if there's like yes. there's all there's all these games on here that i never got a chance to play when they originally released so this would be a perfect chance to 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 correct that mistake so it's because like a lot of those nes games just don't hold up that well but in 16-bit especially like you know 95 era uh super yeah. nintendo games mm-hmm. that would be perfect those games hold up a lot well yeah super though. nintendo games hold up extremely well like i i yeah. played like super metroid and a link to the past and um 
Just from a gameplay perspective, not just visually, like, it's just fun to play. Yeah, yeah. like all, a lot of those games. games. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they like, had a, lot, a good chunk of that library. Like, is definitely strikes in that like odd timeless category of like it's always it's always not like it's never too late to actually play this game. It's still easily consumable. Yeah, because yeah, when you talk about Chrono Trigger, it's like at least Square Enix did give them Final Fantasy One, but Final Fantasy One just isn't that good. I mean, it's it's so old. I mean, a lot of it's nostalgia, but it just doesn't hold up much at all. It's just not that no. very good. It's not a very good RPG compared to like you know Dragon Warrior at that time or Dragon Quest now. Uh, but, you know, I would love to go back to play, you know, yeah, Final Fantasy 4 and, and 5 and 6. You know, 5 obviously won't be in there, but like 4 and 6 would be perfect. To just try. Do you guys think they'll st- yeah. stick with the 30 games on that, or do you think they're going to bump up the limit? Uh, I would actually expect them to put like 20 games on it. Yeah, I was actually wondering, maybe it'll be less. Yeah. Oh, man. Because <laughs> it's a value proposition, because NES yeah, games obviously true. are, they don't charge as much on Virtual Console. I mean, the whole argument, if the SNES Mini does come true and it does come out, it kind of throws out the wind of the argument that they're not, they discontinue the NES because of like Virtual Console concerns. Like, if yeah. that thing does exist, it just means that they don't want to have two of those things on the market at the same time, which also doesn't make sense because it makes it seem like Nintendo hates money. But. You know, maybe eventually we'll get like the N sixty four mini and the and and the GameCube mini and all this other stuff. N sixty four mini would be kind of Garbage. amazing just to see just to see like that controller like there's only like three games for the N sixty four that I can think of, and that's like what and, uh, like Mario, and, Zelda, and, and Pokemon Balls. Snap and oh. the Zelda games. Were, <laughs> I both mostly improved on three DS. You know. So it's like, yeah, it's, yeah. You don't <laughs> want to go play the old version of like Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. Ocarina of Time for sure. The 3DS version is like better in every way. Yeah, Majora's Mask yeah. made a couple of changes to bosses, which I think it's overall still a better product. But there are a couple of things I could maybe see if someone's like, no, the original's best. Like, of course. Man, a NES 64 mini yeah. though would be like what? Hey, you Pikachu. Quest uh, 64. All right. Mm. And Pokemon Heaven. Puzzle League. I actually, thought, <laughs> Quest I actually. Uh, a friend in middle school um, let me lend lent me Quest 64, and I never beat it, and I never returned it to him. Oh, that game is. <laughs> like, I still that's, have that's it. Weird well, game where like you had like a bubble to work with to fight. It was... Yeah. Hybrid Heaven was fun because you just did like roundhouse kicks and power bombs. That was oh, like, yeah. one, of my, one of my favorite N64 games. It was such a weird ass. Like you were attacking limbs <laughs> and stuff like that was. That was like one of the best games on there, or you know maybe like Ogre Battle '64 would be fun to play again. Oh you know? yeah, Ogre Battle would be nice. I actually, I actually got that on a Wii U Virtual Console. That's oh. right, it did come out that, on there. It, I did not know. Or that. Was it okay. either Wii or Wii U? I it was Wii U. I have it on one of them. Yeah, it was very recent when it was put out, like maybe in the past few months or so, like that. I, I do remember like uh, talking about it on Twitter, but. The, those games, you know, like, and that's really for Super Nintendo. Speaking of which, yeah, Tactics Ogre needs to be, not Tactics Ogre, Ogre Battle needs to be on the SNES Mini as well, speaking of which. Uh, that's... Yes. I'll, I'll take this opportunity to say Tactics Ogre is an amazing game on PSP. Yes. It, so it is. I think I say that every time it comes up. It's yeah. so Top good. three games on PSP, I'd say, Tactics it, Ogre. It's probably my favorite PSP game. That's the, yeah. this is the thing. Like I go back, I, I've been watching, rewatching that SNES Superstars marathon that they had recently, and like, uh, that's like the perfect way to like think like, oh man, like that's a good good way to put in memories like the games that you'd love to see on that on a on a SNES Mini. It's kind of ridiculous at the same time because it's like, do you really need to have it in like this device, or can you just like say buy the Switch and then like, get the Virtual Console games? But because it's gonna be portable anyway, but. Yeah. There's something about just having that little micro, like the very small, like SNES hardware, like that piece, and it's a, it's 
it's, it a feels a lot better than like yeah, yeah. like it feels better than buying like a Raspberry Pi and putting a bunch of ROMs. Well, for one thing, it's legal. It's actually by the SNES Mini, but that's supposed to be out by the holiday. And honestly, yeah, I'm 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 excited for that. That's like I was I'm with Adam. I was way more interested in the SNES Mini, even if uh-huh. I grew up in that era and we owned a regular Nintendo and a Super Nintendo and we were just Nintendo family for a long time there. Like we would just we we had way more fun with it. Like Super Mario World was just a great game. And Yoshi's Island. The best platform ever. That needs to be on that on that too. <laughs> you know, we could talk about that all day, but that's that's so many great. Now, for, for clarity, this isn't like official yet. It's just your no. gamer doing yeah. your normal your gamer thing, saying it's coming. But they they you know if anyone I trust your gamer for like yeah. all, all this kind of stuff. Then like you know as as much people like to rag on Kotaku, like those two sets, like the ones that almost always get their news co- completely right. So I'm not too. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not going to be surprised if they announce it like at their. They did say they had big plans at E3, and that makes me seem like that's going to be one of those announcements, right? It's just be a gigantic Super Nintendo booth at E3. Oh, just going to be two games. Like it's going to have this yeah. SNES Mini with a bunch of TVs around it and uh, Zelda DLC, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Mario, uh, you, whatever. What's it called? Mario Odyssey. Odyssey. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, that's, yeah. Those two games are just going to be. Honestly, that's. Because did you hear about though that like the speaking of which at uh, E3 um, those fifteen thousand free tick uh, fifteen thousand uh, consumer tickets they haven't even sold out yet. <laughs> really? And, nope, wow. they haven't. It's been how long Great. since they announced that? It's because they know that there are going to be very little games on the floor that they can actually play, and they're not really too interested in panels because they can just go to packs or whatever instead. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do think you know, I've never been to E3, but you two have. Like, yeah, I mean. There is there is kind of a comfort to like I can watch all the streams on my laptop or on your computer. There is, and then like <laughs> rather than ha- like I people I know a lot of journalists joke all the time like if you go to E three you're actually missing out on the, more on, than the people who don't. A little, uh, so yeah, I can see that. I mean, I wouldn't really see that. I mean, the experience is different. I'm just you know. I mean, I've only I've only gone once. In terms of how much you can see in a in a yeah. Link on a yeah, I mean, I I'm not going to be go- be able to go this year, but like from my experience though, like the being at the press conferences themselves was a far greater experience because like being in it uh was a lot more fun and enjoyable uh and also just being on the show floor itself being able to meet a lot of people and see come across yeah. a lot of people that you wouldn't be able to meet otherwise like a lot of people that you looked up to growing up uh and journalists and stuff like that you read a lot of their stuff it's didn't exciting you a, did, didn't you get a picture of troy baker once Yes, I got a picture of Troy Baker. I told him I loved him in Disguise Four, and he's like, he's like, oh, thank you. No one says that, and I really like that role. He like he actually really enjoyed playing that. That's um, cool. Talk about sardines. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and you know, he was also like the new voice for Sando too. But um, those those experiences, I, I can never like, I, I can never forget. And so, like, that was the best part. But honestly, at the weight E three is going, it's like it could disappear tomorrow, and it's like, oh yeah, that makes sense, because <laughs> they just. They failed to adjust for the times and the fact that people can get publishers who can get like just as much, if not way more coverage elsewhere outside of the show floor, uh, it just kind of goes. It's 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 basically um, uh, it's archaic in a sense at this point. I mean, it just especially, especially for smaller co- companies. Like I mean, even the bigger companies, you see them like moving, trying to move their press conference to Sunday, trying to. Uh... And Saturday, like the the big problem with E3, and that's the ESA's fault. It's squarely on them. It's that they keep increasing the costs of having a booth and a press conference and 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 floor space and all this stuff. The costs keep going up, and they are getting a lot. Of people like I don't want to pay like six hundred thousand dollars for a small booth. Like forget well, that. I could just well, put this elsewhere. I, I know, for example, like Nintendo does usually have 
some E3 or at least E3 timed event of some sort, yeah, whether it's a sure. Nintendo Direct or whatever. But like for a lot of companies, it may I would th- I would imagine it makes more sense to like, hey, we're going to do like a live stream or a, a press conference, like like or UK, niche, yeah, did that like a yeah. niche like uh, like the like niche publishers like Niche America, like we're just gonna have a press, you know an event and things like that and we're going to basically dedicate all the news that comes out this week for us well it's not even that so much i mean there's going to be i'm sorry uh, to cut you off there but like all i was going to say was like e3 you have all these companies trying to vie for attention all at the same time and it almost makes sense for companies to try to like do it separately to try to you know get, get the focus at least for a while so. But it, it, I mean, they definitely do have those press events, but those are like so far away from E3. But it's more like for Nice America, both Nice America and Idea Factory, for example, they're only a team of like a dozen people yeah. each. Uh, what they do instead is that they have people, they call press press uh, people and journalists and just say, hey, you want to meet up at the food court or uh, at this other place? Uh, and they just bring along like a Vita or something like that. And just have you play their games that way, and yeah. you still get the same kind of coverage that you would from having a booth. Or like with Exceed, they have like a very uh, Exceed actually has a booth, but before then they had uh, I forget what the hall is called, but like the place like in the middle in the concourse area, like you go down. Oh, like, Kentia, I think. Uh, yeah, uh, they had a very tiny like booth, and even Bandai Namco was like it, they're upstairs and like a very one of the upstairs uh, meeting rooms that you can go to. And they have like their own little tiny room for, well, this year, this past year was like Berseria and Tekken Seven and uh, sort of online and games. Gundam like Extreme that. versus Force. Gundam Extreme versus Force that like no one was at because they didn't. <laughs> yeah, that the like, like, Yeah, yeah. Uh, that game that game kind of died a death because they barely advertised it even on the Twitter. Like they, it came out and then they talked about it. It's like what, it, it, was, it was sent to die. <laughs> yeah, it really was. Um, but Nino Kunitio, uh, that's that's going to be a big thing this oh, year. Oh man, still I coming out this year. Yeah, Paul. Uh, <laughs> very fucking excited for that game, by the way. Uh, but yeah, I'm up for that. And speaking of Bandai Namco, let's go into the next piece of news here. Oh yeah, the they unveiled one. Code Vein. Josh, why don't you talk about that? Code Vein is this new action RPG from the God Eater team. And to, to be clear, this isn't this isn't like the God Eater three that they've been teasing. There's a whole oh, separate thing. It's Super um, Edgelord is what I got from this. Yeah, it's like, man. It's Chaos Legion for the PS4. <laughs> it, it, it kind of borrows a little bit of that. It does uh, look like it, doesn't it? Yeah. That little vibe from it. Yeah. Um, so this is kind of like, I wouldn't, I hesitate to say Dark Souls, but it it borrows like heavily from the mechanics because they have this whole uh, Revenant thing. Like the, the premise of it is Mary a lot like God Eater. It's like in the uh, near future, uh, Earth's kind of fucked. Um, apparently, there's uh, something like these thorns of judgment that kind of brought it to shit because it pierced the Earth's crust. And much like how in God Eater, like it was kind of dominated by like monsters, this one now is kind of like dominated by like supernatural beings Here, called let me, like, let me... Revenant. Yeah, let me let me read yeah, this, yeah, this. You, let me read this section this. of the uh, of the uh, English press release. And let me just yeah. mention that this is a type this is like a worldwide announcement type thing. Yeah. Right. And it's I don't know if it's gonna be like a day and date release, but it's supposed to come out two thousand eighteen, like for all, all regions. Um, yeah, and it, there, there's no platforms announced yeah, yet. No platforms. So I've seen a lot of people saying like is it coming to Switch? Uh, yeah, it's like thirty five percent in development, so it's still very early on for this game. Yeah, so here's what it says about the premise. In the not-too-distant okay. future, a mysterious Ooh. disaster has brought collapse to the world as we know it. Towering skyscrapers, once symbol of prosperity, are now lifeless graves of humanity's past, pierced by, capital 
thorns of judgment. At the center of destruction Ooh. lies a hidden society of revenants called Bane. This final stronghold is where the remaining few fight to survive, blessed with gifts of power. Gifts mm -hmm. is capitalized, by the way. Oh, uh, okay. In exchange for their memories and a thirst for blood, give into the bloodlust fully and risk becoming one of the lost, also capitalized, feed the <laughs> schools of devoid of any humanity or any remaining humanity. So, so you song. remember like the yeah. like that from that like premise? It reminds you a lot of like you know like the consumption feature of God Eater, like where you, your weapon turns into like a, like a big gigantic mouth and like you eat your enemies. That's what it kind of sounds like. Um, so they showed off, you know, a variety of environments. It's still, like, just early screenshots and conceptual artworks. Um, there's not much to really talk about the game itself. I mean, mm -hmm. they're just kind of showing off that story. I think it's kind of cool that they're going in this direction, though, because this kind of, while they're still working on God Eater, um, they're kind of having different ideas on how to kind of mix up that formula uh, for that team. Yeah, one of the big features in Code Vein has like this buddy system. Mm -hmm. uh, you take like a, another buddy and you share like uh, like abilities with them. From what I gather, um, you can, your buddy can uh, evolve over time. Um, and just I don't know if there's gonna be like a, a dedicated co-op feature. It seems more like a, a very customizable single party member from um, what you uh, how you use them. Like for example, they, you can use them like as a decoy and whatnot um and much like in god eater there's like several um weapon types that you can have like the big uh sword rifle a scythe and what other weapon types does god eater have i don't um, know i've never played god eater but all i know is that they have like these really huge ridiculous weapons and it seems yeah, like it's a... code vein is definitely similar there like giant hammers and spears and yeah, yeah. everything's yeah. Yeah. Everything's very like you know exaggerated in this like the with the weapons and like just the the general design of like the outfits is very like Zach was saying earlier it's very edgy and that that's actually true like <laughs> of this it's very a lot of black and red yeah and death and... I'm trying I'm trying to remember what the uh, the um, tagline is of this game oh uh, oh prepare to die barrier the... fangs is what they've been using oh barrier oh, fangs, fangs okay. is the tagline so, okay. Like... That's what they're going I, for. I forgot. Um, there's like this this blood veiled mechanic in it, and it has like. Revenants uh, also have access to blood veils, devices okay. capable of draining the blood of their enemies in order to enhance their own abilities. <laughs> it's blood exploiting arts. these ex exploiting these enhanced abilities known as gifts. Players can change their form to increase their strength, weaken enemies, and utilize new weapon abilities with overpowered attacks. It's... Utilizing a vast array of weaponry along with each character's gifts, players can adapt and strategize to a mm -hmm. variety of battle conditions that suit their playstyles. It's blood yes. arts from God Eater, is what it is. <laughs> so yeah, this is very much um, God Eater meets that Souls aesthetic and some mechanics, plus maybe some blood rain. Blood plus... rain? You said blood yeah. rain? Yeah, blood rain. <laughs> I was thinking like mm -hmm. Vampire, the the Masquerade with uh, Bloodlines is what I would hope for. Plus but... Chaos Legion, plus, plus... <laughs> insert other games here. Prepare I mean, to the... dine. What a... <laughs> God. Yeah, the, yeah, that was that teaser trailer that they had. That was a totally different studio Barrier working on that fate. teaser. So, yeah, such an anime shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is the, the like a lot of people say this is like anime Dark Souls. It's like it to some extent kind of is, right? Uh, I, I heard it, people upset that it didn't look like the animated trailer that they put out. Which that's that's understandable. Yeah, yeah. it was gonna. Yeah, that, that was that. slick. Yeah, it looked but, awesome. Um, but yeah, maybe in a future thing because like that super sketchy look was awesome. Like it was like fuck your chronicles with the water pellet, water paint uh, color, and in this case, like very sketchy look uh, with yeah. sketch pad. But 
this is a uh, I, I think it's cool though uh, yeah i'm hoping like what what platforms i'm thinking what ps4 pc and such i don't know ps4 no pc kind of seems like the yeah. givens for bandai Namco, but like it is it could maybe do xbox one i mean that wouldn't be too much of a stretch i think but then like switch is kind of like i don't know but... i want to believe yeah. <laughs> i think if they for the japanese audience it'll probably just be a ps4 pc maybe yeah. vita but who knows uh i hope not vita the vita just like is just it just uh, it brings them back down like i i I really like what God Eater is going for, but I feel like just it being on the Vita sometimes kind of kills like the potential of what that could be structurally. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, hmm. But you know, Code Vein, something to look out for sometime next year. Cool. Awesome. Uh, these crazy announcements coming before E3, I appreciate it. So moving on to the next piece of news here. Uh, Dragon Quest XI continues. They continue to put out more news about that. So they announced the skill panel system, which is kind of like the awful license board system that they had for Final Fantasy XII. Not awful. Yeah, I mean, not, not really licensed. Like, 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 yeah, I guess it is. To, <laughs> Looks like it. <laughs> yeah, because like, it's like a checkerboard thing. And That's what it was. You, yeah. It was yeah, you gain you gain skill points for your characters. You gain this like ability or uh, whatever, and then after you get that ability, it unlocks like the slots of like the adjacent panels. Yeah. So. On it. Oh, okay. I so it's I don't yeah. remember what Dragon Quest Nine did. I don't mm. remember. Oh man, that was the Sentinels of Starry's yeah. guys. Yeah, Dragon oh, Quest shit, Eight had skill points and you basically each character had five skills they could put them in and uh, depending on what points you put your skill points into or what which of the five categories um they were mostly like based on a certain weapon type um like for example the hero you can either use sword or spear um and then like you get certain abilities for different weapons and so like when, when, I, when I think of Dragon Quest skill system that's the first one that comes to mind it's more simple because it's just basically five categories that are basically just a number line you just put skill points into it and then you yeah. when, you, when you surpass a certain number of points in each skill you get a, a a skill you can use um so this seems like a little bit more uh like there's might be a little bit more of a positioning element where it's like if you get these skills that are next to each other you unlock skills that are next to them and whatnot i don't i don't try to remember what final, or final fantasy what dragon quest 9 did and i don't remember um i feel like long, uh, the, the, this is going to be like a way like each character will have like different specs to them and like it's up to you whether you want them to make a hybrid of like certain like traits or do you want them to spec them into a very very specialized trait that will like optimize their ability in like say a certain type of element mm-hmm. uh and whatnot or do you want them to like be able to use this element while being able to like steal things easily well like yeah going back to dragon quest 8 because i think it's well you know the one comparison i think we have each character each character has like had like a unique skill tree that only they could put points into basically and like for example (laughs) the love the charm yeah yeah like uh Mm. jessica's charm and she she was a character that could basically confuse enemies because of her charm yeah uh puff puff Puff, puff. um and then like red uh in the new 3ds port had like the stealing skills um, and then uh, Mori had like skills that were all all focused around tension, um, that you could basically like up tension and transfer tension to different characters. So like each character was a little bit unique in that game because of that. So I assume that the skill panel system in Dragon Quest XI here, like unlike Final Fantasy XII or at least the original version of Final Fantasy XII, where all characters are basically have access to all the same things, maybe they'll have. I think yeah, there's like unique for each one. I I can imagine. Yeah. I, I have to imagine if yeah. that's the case. Yeah. That'd be a weird decision if it wasn't. Yeah. All I remember is the original Final Fantasy XII. I didn't really have much issue with the license board, but you can basically, <sighs> you basically can make the characters homogeneous if you want. 
I just didn't Speak- appreciate you needed to have a license to wear a hat. That just a lot of that kind of stuff just did not <laughs> yeah. make any sense. It reminded me like that weird. old Bridget cartoon about yeah. like that making fun of that. It was so bad. I just didn't understand the logic behind it. But you know, uh, from all intents and purposes, that international zodiac job system apparently is a lot better about that. But anyway, that's kind of off its own thing. Join yeah. us eleven. It's it's kind of apparently it's been doing it for a while, so. Maybe it shouldn't be against it. But then again, I hate the sphere grid system. I hate the Final Fantasy thirteen sphere system, whatever that thing's called. Oh, Historium. yeah, I didn't like it. I just hate Historium. that stuff. Oh, yeah, that. just level I, up. I, Let me just deal with this. No, okay? dude, you're not You're not past the story section fucking, yet. It's, I'm just you going on one car- track. Why does it matter? You need <laughs> to calm just down. Took- you need to, like, just, like, only up to level 32 right now, okay? But once the sick cutscene starts, uh, it's again. It, the worst thing is about the illusion <laughs> of that because, like, I never wanted to change my class. I wanted to stick with that. Like, they give you the option like in 13 or whatever like you can go to different classes or whatever i never wanted to do that unless you're just trying to be like a completionist because no matter what they're always going to be best at what they originally were so it didn't make any much much sense to play around with the other well, stuff to be here. fair in final fantasy 13 if you change their class even temporarily you get a lot more stat ups so you can change them back to their more well, useful class barely and stats. That stuff. yeah you didn't play with it too much like you mostly stuck to your regular path and it was like trying to change like one character from like a guardian over to whatever mage or whatever well was, i mean so... each character had three main classes and three yeah. classes that they weren't good at and there were certain bosses where it's like like for example i believe saz was both a ravager and a whatever the guy that whatever the class that does more status effects and i remember that was useful to have both of those Oh yeah, yeah. A lot of it though was just down to your party makeup, and usually the game was good about giving you at least three of different types of characters, so you can actually stick with that. So I just doesn't actually matter because the because you just optimize your party to Lightning Fang and Hope, and just call it a day. Pretty much, because yeah, Fang was pretty amazing in that game. I also remember, I don't, I think it was the first Final Fantasy thirteen, where I don't know if this was intentional, but when you change their uh, command style or whatever they call it, like every other change, it fills up their ATB, so you can basically. You'd, you'd get more turns, basically, if you switched them back and forth between different styles all the time, because it would fill up their ATB every other one, so you get more turns in. It's like, uh, I can find a lot of parallels between 13 and 10-2, and that people give those games a lot of hate, but both have been pretty awesome combat. 10 so, yeah. like, mechanically, in terms of, like, a job system, ATB, like, awesome. That's really, Very nice. It's really cool, and stylish, yeah. too. So. It's really, really cool. Just the fact that well, the story stuff the is like whatever. <laughs> That's the thing. Like I, I, I like still think a lot more than ten. So I, I still think thirteen two is like one of like the worst ways to like do a time travel story. Yeah, that game. was really bad. Like oh, the only thing about thirteen two that I liked was just the soundtrack. <laughs> that was mostly it because that Oregon and all that stuff. Yeah, even like like the like the monster breeding that kind of yeah. felt super flat for me. Yeah, that was that was pretty cool. So anyway. Yeah, Zodiac Age FF12 has some new stuff finally that they're showing yeah. like, that's never been uh, in a prior FF12 release. So Got from what job. I understand, the original Zodiac job system version, it did add things like each character, you would basically choose a job for them. And mm-hmm. depending on what job you chose, that would affect their license board and basically what things they had access to, weapons and equipment and skills. So that yeah. was in attempt to make it less homogeneous like i mentioned earlier and then there are, there are also other quality of life improvements like i know there was a fast forward mode yes um, yeah. like a which looks hilarious when you watch it <laughs> but yeah. which I, I i mean i really appreciate that like dragon yeah. quest 8 on 3ds had a fast forward mode and like yes there's no need to turn it off like just keep it on all the time 
um, Shulva is slow at times, so that that's very helpful. It's very slow to like the battles themselves can be very almost excruciating at times, especially on the longer battles. So that that's definitely helpful. But uh, the the Zodiac Age remaster, it seems like they are tweaking it a little bit. It's yeah. not just you know an HD version of the of the international Zodiac job version. Um, first of all, each character can have two jobs now. It's kind of I, that's I, kind I, of a bit, I, yeah. I, I, I guess one of the biggest criticisms of the original, or not the original original, but of the Zodiac job system version was people thought that selecting a job and being stuck to it basically permanently, almost they wish it was more flexible. Um, yep. I've never played it, so this is just kind of grapevine stuff that I've heard, but I guess this is maybe a solution to say, hey, now you can pick two jobs. Um, and Unless you play around the dynamics more, too. Yeah, so that, that I'm is sure kind of a... I'm sure there's certain longevity to it. I'm sure there's certain combinations that are probably more useful than others, um, but that kind of that's kind of interesting. Like now you can mix together two jobs and seeing how those complement each other. Mm-hmm. That, that's 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 the biggest change that the uh, that this remaster is going to have. There's also a couple of other small things. Like I believe that now there's a a, a four time speed mode. So like not only is it just fast forward mode, but like super fast forward mode uh, in the remaster version. And then there's also eight new songs, so they're they're remastering the soundtrack mm. in general, and we we expect higher audio quality for both voices and sound uh, music, but they're adding new songs, and I think that's kind of interesting because it's not like it's not like like Radiant Historia for example in the the original DS version of Radiant Historia, it has a great soundtrack, but it's kind of a limited soundtrack, so mm-hmm. the fact that uh, Shimomura is adding more songs to that is kind of like it's almost expected, like because it's something that the game could have used. But like Final Fantasy XII, I wasn't really. It, it has a gigantic soundtrack it has already. A gigantic <laughs> yeah. soundtrack. It's kind of like I didn't really think it needed more tracks, but they're adding eight. So. So that's cool. I mean, always down. Uh, I think F twelve's music music is one of its strongest points. Yeah, Sakamoto. Uh, is it Sakamoto? Um, mm-hmm. Sakamoto. Uh, <laughs> Good. Uh, he's got a very unique style um, to his music. It's. Uh, Maybe not as. I don't want to say it's not melodic because I do think he does have, do some pretty melodic things. But... There, there, he, it's, it's like it's like few and far between for it, him, but it, it's meaningful when he does it. But yeah, I, I, he has a really unique style to it. I think it helps a lot. Yeah. I think it fits like the Ivelisse, uh aesthetic a lot too. Yes. Um, so he's adding. A, he, he likes. He's good at instilling wonder to that role. Yeah. So I don't know exactly how these new songs are working. If it's going to be him, or if it's going to be his bass escape company, or someone else entirely. But uh, they're adding songs to it. And then there's also a couple of other things like now you can pull up the mini map, kind of like a like a big transparent version of it as you. Uh, it's kind of like a Diablo. Yeah, as you navigate the room, which I know a couple of places um, in the game, like the mines or the Great Crystal, that might be useful to have. Yes, because like I, I really hated like having to like switch back and forth between like a full map view and like going back to the gameplay for that. It just is a very welcome change. Yeah, so that's it's kind a of big that, good quality life change. It's a small change, but it's like this is probably going to be really darn useful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I really like Final Fantasy XII. Um, overall, it's probably one of my favorites in the series. So, I'm I'm looking forward to this remaster. Uh, not only because of some of these additions, but I never played the Zodiac job version. So, that's that'll be interesting. I think... Um, when is the Zodiac age coming out? July? It's early July. Like, July 3rd. Okay. All right. Um, more with Square Enix... We finally got news of uh, near Automata DLC uh, from that uh, one million shipments uh, live stream they 
showed off uh, earlier this week. Um, which is it's a bizarre uh, DLC because its name is like a big string of numbers and letters, and this this ad, this adds like a like an arena mode to that game. An arena uh, mode that just does that work? I guess that was like the demo, right? <laughs> it's not. It wasn't. It's not well, like the demo. It's like a timed thing. It's like, oh, oh, like sorry. I meant the TGS similar. thing. That yeah, TGS. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking about. The, um, the, the original Nier also had like a DLC arena mode thing. Where they, they brought the Nier replicant or whatever. Yeah, you, like you the play character? as you play as a uh, brother <laughs> yeah. Nier in that version. That was such well, a tease. Such a yeah. tease. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> Fuck, I totally forgot about that. The There's like these you went through. Yeah. Yeah, there's like these locked doors in the base on uh, your Automata game that like no one knew how to get through. So this is uh, for the for that DLC. Um, this kind of adds uh, new challenges to it. It's not it's totally separate from like, the main campaign. It's not like story crucial DLC. Yeah. Uh, the, the 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 cool thing about it, uh, there's several cool things about it. One is they're having a collab like a collaboration with the old uh, near replicant game, uh, giving new outfits uh, to 2B, 9S, and A2. Uh, which has, I think, two B's in Kaine's costume, nine yes. S is in young Nier, and uh, A two is an older Nier replicant. Uh, so that that's pretty cool, and um, kind of following to the the trend set by FF fifteen, you can uh, go up against not only Square Enix's CEO at a boss battle, but also the CEO of Platinum Games. Uh, <laughs> this DLC it looked hilarious when they showed it off too. Yeah. Yeah, that that looks uh, pretty crazy. Um, Square Enix CEO was uh, Yosuke Matsuda, and Platinum Games CEO was Kenichi Sato. So these are pretty high level dudes. And then the, the yeah, you kind of if you're interested, go over to their YouTube account and uh, they have like clips of that. It's hilarious because when you're about to get access this DLC, uh, you go up to like to the counter uh, and then say like, "Hey, I want to fight this guy." It's like, "Oh, do you really want to fight this person?" And then you have like the option because the, they ask you, it's like, oh, this will break your immersion. Is that okay with you? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of inside jokes there. That's awesome. Yeah, so it's uh, it's all good fun. Uh, that's uh, oh, I don't know if it, I don't know if it's priced. Uh, did they have a price on it or is this free? I'm not sure. Saying? There's no like season pass, so it's hard to say. No, no. Thank God. I don't know. I, I don't think they actually confirmed if it's priced or not. Hmm. Well, I don't think so. I don't think so either. But, uh, it doesn't sound like it. If they, I'm sure, like someone would have mentioned it. It's probably free. Let me look it up. It's uh, totally free, right? The, the Jap- oh no, the Japanese it, it, tag is 1,500 yen. 1,500 yen. Okay, Ooh, so what's that? Price? What's 15 that? 15 bucks. 15 bucks, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, very roughly. And then it's. And I guess the. Uh, I guess the. Um, the uh, English. It doesn't have a date. No, no. Yeah, it's the, a, it's the, all, the it's... English press release just said it's coming soon. It's May second. Yeah, it's... it's May second in Japan. But the English mm-hmm. DLC is probably probably a couple weeks after that, I guess. It's not yeah. dated in in for in North America. Yeah, so this Coliseum thing and whatnot will be coming soon. That's cool. I think the continued support uh, for Neurotomata is well deserved. Still, uh, phenomenal game. I need to play it. Would you pay fifteen bucks for this though? Ah, for Coliseum. Mm. I, yeah, it's, th- it's this funny, is I, this... but like for fifteen bucks worth of funny. I, I think know. I think I mentioned before the type of DLC I... that I tend to buy are. Like cameo costume DLC, so yeah. it's like mm. yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of, like there's a sizable amount on the content because there's, there's the costumes plus yeah. this uh, Coliseum thing plus those boss fights plus like you know additional subquests and it's whatnot. A good so amount, I mean, yeah. it, it it really depends like you know if how much you really want to get back into that. It, for yeah. a lot of people, it's obviously a, a no brainer, but you know it's all optional. It's not like any story essential or crucial things. I I, I feel like I should mention Final Fantasy mm-hmm. 15 episode Gladiolus. 
because it kind of feels like it's something similar, but it's that that DLC. I don't know if I've talked about that before though. It's I don't just, think you have. It's I think you hated it though. That's what I heard. It's really disappointing. It's, yeah. Now that's only five bucks, so I have to like take that. How long is it? It's like one hour. Yeah, it's uh, hard too. And it's just like is this like a like a it's separate like dungeon just thing? Gladiolus and core. Like it's like a score attack mode basically almost where they just you kinda go through a couple of like linear passages killing enemies and based on your combo um numbers, like how many enemies you hit before getting hit type thing, you get higher scores and then like I, I unlocked, for example, shirtless gladiolus in the uh, main game. Ooh, in the like, main course, game. You know, like whatever, but it's, it's like it's not an story wise like these these episodes, these character episodes one one thing they were advertising is like you get to see more of the story like why the heck did gladiolus leave in the first place but it's it's about exactly what you'd expect it's basically gladiolus is like i need to get stronger and Cora is like well i can take you to this place where you can fight the strong dude <laughs> and he's like well i want to fight the strong dude and get stronger and then like the, oh it's very gilgamesh, deep. Ah. gilgamesh is like i am the strong dude and if you fight me you will get stronger <laughs> And Gladiolus is like, I will fight you and become stronger. And then that's that's how cardboard. I really I really like your explanation for this. It's amazing. Stronger. <laughs> and beat me up. Why didn't you write the script for this? Uh, that's basically it's, what the it's, script it's, was. It's almost it's almost comical in a way because uh, like they take some of the battle tracks in the uh, in the in original Final Fantasy fifteen. Which that's probably one of the stronger points of the game is the music, and they like yeah. uh-huh. they turn it into like the same tracks only it's now guitar tracks, so it's like heavy metal fighting, <laughs> and you li- and there's also this mechanic in the DLC where Gladiolus can like rip out these pillars from the ground and start swinging them around. It almost feels like, uh... <laughs> I mean, it's like on one hand it's like clearly it's not trying to be subtle but it's just so in your face it's like i don't know uh, so but yeah it's, it's pretty disappointing um i, I felt, I felt like that was like... kind of worth mentioning because it kind of feels like it's an extra bonus mode and it's not really needed but it's just i don't know it doesn't really add uh how, how does gladio play like i know there's like this like counter that he had at uh by his bottom right hand corner by doing like multiplier. counter attacks like blocking and attacking when you block an attack his rage meter uh, increases, and he does more damage. Um, he just gets more mad. So I, I guess I, I will give it some credit. And like Gladiolus does play differently enough from Noctis that it's like, okay, this is a different type of gameplay. You know, it kind feels of somewhat fresh. Yeah, but it's just it, it like it, it doesn't feel like this DLC, especially considering how how like how like Gladiolus like leaves in the main game to like. It, like they purposely were setting this up, and like this is it, <laughs> like this is this is why he left. <laughs> Just I don't know. Uh, yeah. Just do, to... do you wish? Do you wish that like Gladio was like playable now in the main game because of this though? Like you had the option to like switch over like your control controlled character to him. Um, maybe. Like I, maybe <laughs> I, I could see myself like if there's like Gladiolus has some skills that are really good at breaking enemy defenses. So, like, I could see myself in maybe certain battles in the main game where it's like, all right, if I had the option to switch, switch to Gladiolus and like have him do a couple of, you know, of his of his well, armor breaking attacks, like whirlwind. I think was like was yeah. like one of his. I mean, first I know, skills I know you have amazing. I know you have like the 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 buddy skills or whatever they are, but yeah, it's still like it just it kind of feels like it was. I I, I guess the fact that it is only five dollars is probably its saving grace. Like it's. You know, it's it is only priced at five dollars, so you can't expect it to be like a Witcher three DLC mm-hmm. or whatever. But 
yeah. it's still pretty disappointing. And like I said, it's kind of like exactly what you expect. It's so it's not very interesting at all. The next one is Prompto, I think. Yeah, yeah with the, that's like... it shows him pointing a gun in his coat. I remember seeing the picture of that going around. Yeah, so so so, so, so maybe finally you can make Prompto with a useful party member. What if his costume changes him as fat? prompto <laughs> that was like his costume oh, okay. change that'd be, right. that'd be rad yeah that'd be awesome i think that'd be cool just because it'd be slowly against like what that game was trying to show so like if it was all heavy it set could, characters it, it'd be cool. it reminds you of fat drake in uh, uncharted uh, multiplayer <laughs> that was just offensive yeah i didn't i didn't like that at all it felt uncharted, so weird no they, yeah they took it out in uncharted 3 i think i didn't know that was offensive i was just like oh that was a really cool bonus i guess wasn't he also like on so like what was it subway like they had, had i know there was subway. donuts involved yeah. yeah i'm pretty sure fat drake is called donut drake Oh, that's, okay. that's his actual name, like in the multiplayer. It looked but... like you know in Meta- Metal Slug when you got like that uh, status effect that made you fat. <laughs> that's what Fat Drake reminded me of when I oh, saw him okay. running around. So I don't know. Prompto anyways, obviously. Anyways, kind of that was kind of a that, yeah. that was kind of a bit of a uh, a distraction, but mm-hmm. <laughs> we're talking DLC. About the... we're talking about yeah. DLC. So in the last piece of news, then we've also got some details about the new Digimon Cyber Sleuth Hacker's Memory that was recently confirmed for. It was weird because like it was Bandai Europe, I think, already confirmed it. Then Bandai Amer- Ben and Yeah, so it, it was in uh, the typical magazines. I forget which magazine yeah. exactly. Um, you know, announced for Japan, and then like the the Japanese website went up like a week later, which is pretty typical. And then Bandai Namco Europe kind of like right like hours with within hours it's like hey this is coming out to america too next year vita so that, promise yeah yeah was the... ps4 and vita and like they, they even they even uh specifically uh brought up rpg site <laughs> like yeah because we, oh, we, we made it a problem with them i think we, we amplified it a little bit but yeah well it wasn't our fault. I mean, it, it, it wasn't it, our yeah, fault. No, it, it, it was just deserved to be like, made fun you know, of them. Right. Aware, so. Yeah, because their, yeah. their press release said it was coming, and then it said it wasn't, and then like they reconfirmed it, and it was weird. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, so it was it was confirmed by Europe like right away. Like this is coming next year, and so that's kind of neat. You know, we didn't have to wait for a localization announcement. And then like North America, Bandai Namco North America, like two weeks later, like hey, we're announcing this for North America. This kind of felt a little bit weird. Like, oh, I thought I just kind of assumed it was coming to North America already. Yeah, it's like when it's Europe. But then again, you know, it's just like going back. Oh, we're going to go back to the Nintendo days where something gets announced for Europe and then we have to wait a long time. Like, we get the Europe treatment <laughs> like that, like Stand what they've late. been through. Yeah. Hey, man, so. Europe has its fair share of it. Atlas used to do. No, that's what I mean. Like, thing. Yeah. yeah. Going th- we're yeah. going through what they've experienced for years. Like, I was, yeah. I even mentioned it recently. Like, Dragon Quest Eight was the first mainline Dragon Quest game that Europe got. Isn't that, isn't oh, that yeah. crazy that's to right. think about? Like that's the first one they got. Fuck. And Fuck. I, and I, just other other weird things from several generations past. Like I think like the only Xenosaga game they got is two. They didn't get like, Xenogears and Across, you know. So yeah. those games too. So anyway. my condolences. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, so sometimes. Basically, this is actually kind of weird because this is Bandai Namco and Koei Tecmo does this sometimes too, where the 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 American or European branch actually announced something before the Japanese branch, and they revealed a new character in this this side sequel. This Cyber Sleuth Hacker's Memory is like this side sequel. So there's this new character, Erica. Um, so she's a genius hacker who has the power to link her brain with the Eden server, a next-gen web service, and the ability to hack the Eden network. And then there's also another character they introduced, Faye, the violent leader of a hacker group called Zaxxon. Now, I, I haven't played the original Cyber Sleuth, so I don't know if these groups... So is this just Watch Dogs 3, then? Yes. 
Okay. I was Mega right, Man Battle figured. Network, but with Cy- with Digimon characters. I, I haven't played. I haven't played the original Cyber Sleuth. So I don't know if like these these groups are like already. Battle Network meets Hot Hotdogs. It was kind of like that. Yeah, the original game was kind of like this too. So. So yeah, they just introduced these two new characters. They they showed off some of the more Digimon because I think they said there's like like seventy new Digimon or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Seventy yeah, or ninety, so. something like that. Quite a bit. Um, new Digimon. If you like Digimon? So, there's more Digimon for you. So they're just kind of a small little update on what the game is doing. But like I said, it's actually kind of interesting. I like the 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 the, Euro- the European branch is like the first to announce this, and then kind of Japanese media followed up. They're um, more active on Europe on the European side. Right, I mean, sure. Europe is very active. Um, yeah, like, like Koei Tecmo Europe, they're way more active than Koei Tecmo America. Yeah, like, although like, they're kind like, of the closer now. Yeah. I remember Tales of Berseria was kind of like that too, where their Tales blog, which is run by the European staff would introduce like terms and elements in Tales of Berseria before they showed up in Japanese media. Um, That's right, yeah. I remember. What was, what was that I, game? Yeah, the... It was like, oh, yeah, it was Project Cross Zone 2. That was announced in Europe before it was announced in Korea. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Like the European president, whatever it was, was over there. Like at a press it's, it's always great for us because the the faster we get like localized terms for weird JRPG shit, the better. Yeah. <laughs> I remember, I remember we're doing guesswork. I remember Berseria, like, like the Malachim, um, yeah. like stuff like that. It's like, well, how do we translate oh. this? What is it called in English? Who knows? So we try to wait for like another site to do the first thing. Like, okay, I guess we'll. As long as uh, Charles in the Flash, like we can go with anything else you guys do. <laughs> it's 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 always funny, like uh, just the dynamics of that. It's like, okay, well, you make the term, we'll go with you, and we'll ride this ship with you. But we know we're probably gonna get all shipwrecked together once they announce the official term. I've actually, I've but actually, we'll ride with you speaking, I've actually corrected Gamatsu in the past too, so it's not like it's always they're always uh, something that we follow. But you know, I tend to, we tend to go like that, or just we, we Google Translate. Guideposts. Well, for <laughs> for, 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 for uh for uh like bigger translation things i i, I do link to gamatsu because they do a great job at it but yeah, yeah. sometimes sometimes there's those individual terms with every every different one of these sites that covers the japanese news will translate it differently it's when they change uh, the l to the r by assumption <laughs> it's yeah. like you're like okay guys <laughs> it's, it's sometimes in the it flash. Is that, yeah in the yeah, flash I, like in the flash. It's, always, it's always weird because like uh it's a horde. like say let, like say if you have like a, a name like arisugawa it's like is that it's like, is it just, just going to remain as Arisu or just Alice Gawa, which is weird, weird uh, to like say? Yeah, they shorten yeah. they shorten names sometimes too. So uh, it's, it's just like you know pronunciation type stuff like that. It's like, well, would it make sense for them to do that? But or or like uh, in uh, Knights of Azure, they had Anasu. It's like, is it going to be Arnis, Arneth, Arn? Yeah, that's like, that's hmm. why we're trying to focus more like on our translations. Like we're going to try to do a lot more of that stuff in house, uh, so that we can sort of set the pace for a lot of that stuff. Because it feels like we could do that at this point. Like, we don't need to rely on other sites to start doing that kind of work ourselves. So hopefully, we'll be able to do something about that soon. But that's about it for this podcast. Uh, I didn't really get to talk about what I've been playing. It's just been Neo because <laughs> the DLC is out in a couple weeks and I've been, oh, yeah, I've right. been replaying that game. Um, but let's wrap up with where you guys can find us. You can always find us uh, on our website, rpgsite.net. You can find us on Twitter at rpgsite, on facebook.com slash rpgsitenet, youtube.com slash rpgsitenet. You can look for us on iTunes. Just search for TetraCast. Please leave a review. Uh, that'd be awesome. You can find our permanent link, discord.me slash RPG site. Continues to grow every day. Uh, lastly, uh, we'd like to always share our Twitter handles. So where can they find you, Josh? 
Uh, you can follow me at HDKirin, H-D-K-I-R-I-N. Thank you. Uh, and your 669 Persona 5 screenshots will be up there shortly. Yeah. Fucking <laughs> A. Like, yeah, what? Just, you uh, just took the whole game, didn't you? You like, screenshot of the whole game, didn't you? Uh, just all, all the ones with spoilers in it, it'll just be there. He's, he's, just, he's working on his project persona 5 the slideshow and just yeah <laughs> I, that, that, that's right persona I, I, I five Instagram. <laughs> you know there's that persona 5 translations uh uh criticizing site you could just have a persona 5 instagram a site that's just go. all pictures and you just click the right arrow to go through one by one yeah i just i'll just like a flip book of in, it in case you didn't want to watch or play a hundred hour video game you can just go through the 600 slides instead I'm yeah, glad you play on. the Japanese version because that seems like it would interrupt your entire game. But uh, Adam, where can they find you? Uh, K-I-N-G underscore S-E-D-A. Great. And lastly, you can find me at Zachary. So that's it for this edition of the Tetracast. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, th- thank you Josh. Thank you, Adam. Can't talk. Uh, and everyone else, thank you for listening and catch us next week for another edition of the Tetracast. Bye, everyone.